Unlocking What Was Cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, the guy looked a lot like Tony Hawk, but he wasn't on a skateboard, so it was hard to tell. Hmm, could have been Bam Margera, maybe. Well, uh, Tony Hawk is more hair, but oh, we're live, Neil. Oh, Mike, well, thank you so much for joining me today. We're back talking about skateboarding today. I'm very excited for today's episode. But of course, we have to start with our regular opening banter. And I got to thinking a lot this week because I saw I saw a photo somewhere. I don't remember where. And uh, got me thinking, you know, I'm a huge fan of cookies. Big fan. Obviously, we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about Oreos in, uh, in the 100 and how many episodes we've been doing this show for now. But what the heck is the point of a cookie jar? Uh, like, you know, who uses them? Who's buying them? When did they go out of style? Were they ever really in style? Do you have one? Do they really keep cookies fresh? Uh, do people clean them? I-, I feel like we've been gaslit into thinking that people use cookie <laughs> jars for function. Where-, where do you come down on cookie jars? The the age-old question, who took that cookie from the cookie jar? Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I don't have a cookie jar. I have a cookie tin. I think cookie tins yes. are much more palatable, much more... Uh, in the average home of the millennial is a, a cookie tin. Definitely not a cookie tin anyone bought for you. No, no. It's, but it's, but some... it's a Christmas tin that you use all year. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Someone once bought you or brought cookies yes. in a Christmas tin and you never gave it back, obviously. So that's now right. you have that forever. And uh, that's what we have here at uh, in my home. Uh, no. And and for cookie jars, I'm assuming you're talking about like a ceramic cookie jar where you, you open up the, yes. the lid and it's very loud. Also, mm-hmm. like, I think the reason why cookie jars were invented were that they had to be ceramic and loud so that the kids or parents would hear kids when they would steal mm-hmm. cookies from the cookie jar. But I, I feel like in today's fast paced modern day, the cookie jar just doesn't really have a place anymore, Neil. No, it, it's only for decorative purposes, I'd have to imagine. Like when I was growing up, my mom had like two or three of them that we'd bring out at Christmas time. You know, one looked like a snowman and a nutcracker and a Santa Claus, and they would end up on a shelf somewhere for decoration. But we would bake dozens of of Christmas cookies, but none of them ever found their way into the cookie jar. We would put them in uh, in the cookie tins, like you said before, or we had these um, these Rubbermaid these these big not Rubbermaid, but I guess uh, Tupperware containers that had like four clamps on one on either side and they sounded like a gun going off when you unsnap (laughs) them so like it'd be like 11 o'clock at night yeah exactly (laughs) it'd be like 11 o'clock at night i'd be playing a video game i'd come upstairs i'd be like like really loud throughout the entire house just (laughs) snaps and then i'd have to grab my uh, my gingerbread and shortbread cookies and then go back downstairs um but the, the tin is interesting i i think that is the the way to store your homemade goods i love the um like every family or every house has like a quality street or a shortbread tin that's just used to, to hold like batteries <laughs> or sewing kits or something. Um, th- yeah. Those are the two uses for uh, cookie tins is uh, re-gifting cookies or uh, or sewing uh, utensils. <laughs> that's actually true. My mom has her sewing stuff in, 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 in a cookie tin. Uh, we yeah. also, our other way that we would store cookies was we would put them in just, you know, plastic bags basically. Not, not like nice. grocery bags, but <laughs> in Ziploc bags. And we would put them in the in the freezer. Mm. Uh, my mom's cookies that she would make kept well in the freezer and uh, were really really tasty too. When you would put them mm-hmm. in the freezer and and eating them out out of it, you know, you let them warm up for a little bit. But uh, friend of the show, Jake, who I used to live with, of course, uh, he was always flabbergasted by how we would always be putting more cookies into the cookie tin. 
Uh, he didn't know where they were coming from. They just kept appearing and there was no baking going on. Uh, but oh. he, he wasn't complaining. He loved those cookies. And uh, uh, finally, he realized that they were all coming from the freezer. And that uh, I would open up the Ziploc bags and dump the cookies into the cookie tin. And so then Jake proceeded to go right to the source and uh, and slowly <laughs> eat the these rock-hard frozen cookies from the oh. freezer. And uh, that's that's what he's done for the rest of his life. Interesting. I love – that's a power move is freezing Christmas mm. cookies at Christmas time. And then like, there's nothing better than like in June finding just a <laughs> – just a, like a little tray of, you know, some shortbreads and some gingerbreads and some sugar oh, yeah. cookies shaped like Santa Claus or a, a stocking or something like that. Just, you know, a nice little Christmas in June. No, no one ever uh, box at that. Christmas cookies are good year round. So uh, I'm glad that we got to the bottom of that. Uh, no one uses cookie jars anymore. I don't think anybody ever really did. But uh, going into some video game news this week, Mike, uh, cool bit of news here. I guess tied with the Super Mario Bros. movie, uh, the Super Mario Bros. theme is becoming the first video game music to be inducted into the U.S. Live. Library of Congress. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, the Super Mario Bros. music, officially known as the ground theme, uh, written by Koji Kondo, will become the first video game song to enter the registry, uh, which the library called the most recognizable video game theme in history. So how do you feel about that? I mean, makes sense. And it's funny, I always kind of, I mean, this is seems sacrilegious, but I always kind of forget that Koji Kondo did the Mario Bros. theme. Like for me, yeah. I associate Koji Kondo with Zelda. Because uh, obviously he's been sure. so prolific with that franchise, and Zelda's music is just so—I think it's so much more varied. You know, where Mario is kind of just the same, building on the same themes over and over again. But that makes sense. I mean, it is the most recognizable music ever. And um, next, we need the other, like the—I the, um, don't know what it's called, but like the underground theme. Da na 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 na. Ah yes. Da na 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 na. It's good to see, though. I was going to say, like, what kind of songs do you want to see come next, either from Mario or other games? You mentioned Zelda. I'm sure that's next in line. Halo. The Zelda theme. Halo. That's awesome. Yeah, I love to I love to think about what other, like, someday, like, in 50 years, there's going to be, like, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of video game soundtracks, and it's going to be stuff that we had in kindergarten at, at, at pizza parties or, or sleepovers <laughs> or whatever, maybe who knows, maybe we'll see a, a Tony Hawk theme star or a Tony Hawk soundtrack in the, the video game hall of fame, but uh, Goldfinger finally in a hall of fame. <laughs> oh, exactly. That'd be so good. I, I mean, I'm sure that they will be in the rock and roll hall of fame at some point, but yeah, it's an, an ancient library founded in 1800. And now we're getting some video game music in there too, which is awesome to see. I'm excited to see what else we see in the uh, next couple of years, but we'll have to uh, wait and find out. And also, Neil, speaking of video games, Hogwarts Legacy, I know this has been out for new-gen consoles for a while. Uh, uh, waiting on the old ones, uh, I know you're waiting to play it and just uh, patiently waiting like SpongeBob with his tea at the yep. uh, at the diner <laughs> waiting, for, <laughs> waiting for Hogwarts Legacy to come out on PS4. But it is on PS5. I have played it. I have completed it. I have 100%ed it. Neil, so it is done. We are done with that game. Lock it away. Um, it was a good time. I I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I I'm obviously not going to spoil anything for for the many Me. many people for you <laughs> to play it. Um, but uh, I I was I was pleasantly surprised. I think more more so with the gameplay uh, than anything in this in this game. The gameplay was really really sound and well done. Uh, I I really enjoyed. Uh, the, all the all the magic that was used, I I was a little skeptical going in on how that part of the game was going to be. I was honestly just ready to explore 
the Wizarding World explore Hogwarts and Hogsmeade, that was going to be enough for me, but right. turns out that the gameplay is really, really well done. Uh, nice. the, the con, I would say, is all the, the dialogue in this game, and not even that it's bad, there's just so much of it, and it never ends. It's just constant. Luckily, you can skip it and press triangle to quickly go... Uh, go through and then I put subtitles on so then I can just read mm. the first like two words to figure out if I need to actually <laughs> listen to this or not and so I am clicking triangle forever on that game um, and any dialogue that comes up but uh, that's really the only big con there's a lot of other little things and there's a lot of instances where it definitely feels a little bit like an indie game in some aspects okay. and I actually like that and some people might say like oh like it, it feels a little less pol- not so polished but for me, one of my biggest problems with things like EA's Star Wars series with Battlefront and Battlefront 2 and honestly, almost anything EA does, uh, <laughs> is that they like go for this like too polished version, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that like ends up actually having just tons of bugs and glitches everywhere. And, right. uh, and it doesn't feel like any love was put into this. It felt like an AI created the entire thing. This, <laughs> this does not feel like that. This feels like, like a group of people created it and forgot some QA testing in some points, but but also kind of just did little wacky things and make de- made decisions that you probably wouldn't like a big studio probably wouldn't have done uh, mm-hmm. normally. And you know the the people who made this this is Avalanche Software, you know that we talked about many times on the GameCube is Cool uh, podcast, mm-hmm. where uh, they did a lot of the THQ games and licensed games and did a really good job on them too. So it was cool to see Avalanche kind of seem to have honed their craft. On licensed games in the 2000s and, and put it to use here because I actually liked the charm of it for sure. Well, I was going to say after the GameCube generation, they hit it big with the Disney Infinity series, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a, a THQ style game. It's made for kids. It's very basic gameplay. So this was a, an ambitious project for them to work on after the GameCube generation and then Disney Infinity, which was a Toys to Life game, and now this one. So, I mean, we're going to be talking about Hogwarts Legacy probably for a long time, and I'm going to extend that conversation when I finally get a chance to hopefully (laughs) play it next month on PS4. I'm very excited to see how it looks. We're going to find out. Harry Potter's been going through a very weird phase this year, especially with the the start of the year. We had Hogwarts Legacy come out to mostly positive reviews for the game and and whatnot amongst Potter fans, but then they just recently announced the... um, the HBO show, I think it's HBO, HBO show or Amazon or whatever, the that's going to be based on the original seven books. They're basically remaking the films already, uh, which <laughs> yeah. not exactly positive reviews over there. So having quite a bit of ups and downs right now in the Potterverse, which is it's tough to see, but uh, I'd like to see. Do you think that they're going to make a, a series out of this game? No spoilers, I suppose, for the ending, but can you see a sequel on the horizon? I would love to uh, to see a sequel, but I think we'll see... DLC before we see anything sure. like that for a while. There's just there's just a lot of stuff that's not in the game. Like right. Quidditch is not in the game. That's not a spoiler. Oh, that just man. like just it's literally literally the first thing you find out when you start the game is that Quidditch is being canceled for the year. It's on the back of the case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I I think that was very much a decision by the devs to actually get this game out on time or not on mm. time. It was delayed, <laughs> but get this game out at all because uh, I think putting Quidditch in it probably would have added a lot more and instead they'll release it at some kind of DLC, which I'm fine with. That's totally fine. Don't make me wait 20 years to, to play a game. So happy with that. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see a lot of additional content. And I think they're going to upkeep cool. this game for, for years. I don't think we'll see anything Hogwarts in terms of a new game for at least the next five, six years. 
Oh, definitely. This game is going to have legs. It's going to sell very well on PlayStation 5, Xbox, PC. It'll probably sell oh, yeah. pretty good on past gen. I'm excited to see how it does on Switch. I actually think it's going to do very well yeah. <laughs> on Switch if that eventually does come out. I can see Quidd- a Quidditch version or like a standalone Quidditch game coming out and being very competitive, almost like a Rocket League style game. So if they do that well, and I think that they, they can, like Quidditch is a really cool game and uh, just need to play a game on broomsticks flying around. So you can kind of see a competitive league come out of that. So yeah. I'm excited to see all the things that come out of that. But Mike, I think it's time that we jumped into today's episode where we talk about some uh, some skateboarding, some grounded games in, in real life. What do you think? Let's talk about Quidditch on the ground, Neil. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we loved from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet that has talked about Tony Hawk's Underground twice. You can support the show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit a topic and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. All patrons get the show ad free and a little early. Last week, we talked about the classic 2003 Linkin Park album, Meteora, to celebrate the 20th anniversary. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are revisiting a game that we talked about a long, long time ago on the GameCube Was Cool podcast, a game series that was massive in the late 90s, early 2000s, and had a bit of a resurgence in 2020. We're talking about the fifth entry in the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series, which was the one and only Tony Hawk Underground, also known as Thug. Mike, what are your memories of uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater or Thug in general from back in the day? Yeah, so we, of course, covered this game for episode 16 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. That was really cool. And we had a good time talking about this game, the two uh, Pro Skater games that are on the GameCube, 3 and 4, as -hmm. well as Thug 2 and Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, uh, which is always a game I completely yep. forget about, and I think a lot of other people do too. <laughs> um, and and it was it was fun to play those games again when we were talking about it uh, almost three years ago. And I really hadn't played Tony Hawk games uh, for years at that point, and I completely forgot Neil that we we did that episode because of the release of Tony Hawk Pro Skater Remake. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was really funny. I completely forgot about that. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it has been like three years since that That's came crazy. out. Yeah. And so playing um uh, playing it, and so playing those games then is 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 funny because now I have even more of a different experience of playing Tony Hawk's Underground. Uh, this week because of our new experience with playing the Pro Skater games in HD and on new gens. So uh, it, it was interesting to go back to Tony Hawk's Underground and, and really kind of relive it once more. But in terms of my actual memories of uh, of playing the Tony Hawk games, and I, I said this on our, um, on our episode uh, three years ago, is that uh, I first played it in a hotel room. Uh, so I, I traveled quite a bit with my with my parents when I was younger, and I sometimes I'd go with my dad on business trips, and uh, and a lot of hotels would have a GameCube or a PS2 that was locked inside a media cabinet, and um, <laughs> you could go down to the lobby and rent games to play on it. And not a lot of people know, uh, don't really know about this actually, but it's a it's such a, a memory ingrained in my mind that I I vividly remember playing and renting Thug, uh, and playing that on the GameCube in the hotel room which was probably around 2004. And I did that for quite a few hotels. I would always pick up Tony Hawk, uh, whether it was Thug or Thug 2. Uh, and then I think I eventually probably did American Wasteland at, at some point, probably. But um, it, it was funny because 10-year-old Mike was smart enough to know that his parents wouldn't let him rent or buy this game anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So he, But he could definitely get away with renting it for an hour in a hotel room. So that is kind of how I figured out to get around mature titles. Uh, and... Uh, 
Uh, and it's one of the things that really got me into playing the GameCube even really before I had one or playing these kind of games. So um, for me, I never had or played the Pro Skater games because uh, it was on the N64. And this was really eye-opening to me for, to play this for the first time. Like I was, uh, I was really too young, I think, when Pro Skater was coming out to that for that to really appeal to me. But Underground, like coming out when we're like 11 years old, that's just a perfect timing. Uh, obviously, things like Jackass are really big too, and mm -hmm. and like the culture of extreme sports and BMX and everything like that is is really at its complete peak uh, at that point. So um, mm -hmm. uh, this was the perfect game for me and really the perfect series to, to really get me into it. Yeah. This, this series was so cool back in the late nineties, early two thousands. When I first discovered it, uh, Tony Hawk pro skater three was where I got my start on the, uh, in the series. I, it's one of my earliest memories of playing GameCube in general because it was a launch game. Mm -hmm. Tony Hawk pro skater three, it was on a bunch of consoles, including the, uh, the N64 PlayStation two, Xbox and, uh, and GameCube. And my, my friend, a mutual friend of ours from back in the day, he got a lot of stuff early on and, for some reason, he got the GameCube right away, and then he just had a stack of GameCube games really quickly. I don't know if <laughs> maybe he was like his birthday, or a lot of relatives came over and got him games for it. But I felt like he had every launch game somehow. <laughs> um, so I just remember playing that game to death uh, on Christmas break, going over to his place, playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three, and just being in awe of of the physics, the controls, the music, the characters. It really made you feel like you were like skateboarding even though it's it's very different than real skateboarding which th these games got me into skateboarding i remember mm -hmm. when i was 10 years old i got my my first skateboard from west 49 at a mall near our house which was a lot of fun and i, I think that these games have a lot to do with that yeah when i did finally get my gamecube for my 11th birthday in uh, in 2004 tony Hawk pro skater 3 was the second game i got since i got my console with spider-man 2 and then for my birthday party, I got a bunch of EB Games gift cards, and one of them, you know, tw you get 20 bucks, and somehow you can find a decent game for that. Uh, the game that I picked out was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, and I must have put 100 hours into that game easily between grade 6 and grade 8, just going home, and, and it, it's the perfect series, really, the, the first four games at least, the perfect series to just go home and kind of shut your brain off and just play yeah. Uh, you can play it as seriously as you want or as loosely as you want. There's free skate modes. There's customization with skate parks. You can you can go to different areas around the world and skate in you know Canada and airports and the foundry and everything. The levels are so iconic with video games. So I loved it for that. I could just go home and 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 play as much or as, as little as I wanted to play. And it helped me discover a lot of bands that I love today, like Bad Religion and Zebrahead and NoFX, like a lot of those skate punk bands that... We talked a lot about that in our Tony Hawk episode, how yep. th these games got people into skateboarding and got people into uh, skate punk, punk, ska, hip hop, rap, everything. It was a great way for us to discover new music from back in the day. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I took a pretty big hiatus uh, in the series after three and underground. I played a little bit of underground uh, at, at a friend's house who had a PlayStation 2. I don't know if I ever rented this game on GameCube. Back in the day, I picked it up several years ago from ANC Games here in Toronto, which great deal of a game uh, back then. Even it was a good price, um, and I love I love this game. It's so cool how uh, how they reinvented the formula of Tony Hawk Pro Skater one through four, which were very much similar games in that you had goals for every level. This one introduced a story, which I loved. We're going to talk a lot about that today, I'm sure. But it really mm -hmm. captures 2003 MTV jackass yes. <laughs> comedy. I, I love it. Just like putting it on. I was talking to you about it. It's like, man, it's really fun to play a game that is targeting 12-year-old boy humor. 
<laughs> and that, that's really like the best way to describe this game. Yeah. Like yeah. from start to finish, like I'm playing this game and my fiance's like, what did they just say? Um, and it's, it's like, don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I'm surprised that your parents, like you got away with playing. You must have turned down the volume or something. Cause some it definitely of the wasn't that, high up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of the things that they do, it gets close to being like BMX triple X, which is another game that we, we talked about on the GameCube is cool. But no Amish boy I, though. No, no Amish boy in this one. Um, but I really did leave the series after maybe 2004 or 2003 after mm-hmm. playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and Thug. I, I pulled away from it, which a lot of people did yep. with American Wasteland and uh, and Downhill Jam and uh, Project 8 or whatever. I don't even remember half the titles that came out. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 was a complete bomb. Yeah. back in 2015 but the the remakes in 2020 got me right back into it again i love those games they uh it's hard to believe that they came out three years ago i still put them on from time to time on my ps4 yeah. uh they're great and they they sold just as well as the old games it felt like we were getting a, a tony hawk pro skater resurgence but it's been three years and nothing um i i, I we really thought back in back in 2020 when we covered it that we were going to get three and four and we were going to get thug one and two and maybe a thug three but here we are. We're still waiting for a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. So those are my memories of, uh, of Tony Hawk. Very much a high, high up, high, high down, high, high up. And now we're back into a, a bit of a down again. Uh, but playing Thug again this week has uh, reinvigorated my love for, uh, for for the series. So I guess that we can introduce the game itself and, uh, and start talking about some facts about the game. Let's do it, Neil. All right. Tony Hawk's Underground was released on October 27, 2003, developed by Neversoft, published by Activision. It's on Game Boy Advance, GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. Rates a 9 out of 10. Console versions of the game range from $10 to $40, while the Game Boy Advance version is priced today at around $10 loose or $70 in box. And this is, of course, a sports-slash-skateboarding game. And uh, the sales for Tony Hawk Pro Skater games are kind of hard to come by, but the overall series has generated $1 billion in revenue uh, with the combined 10 mainline games, one remaster, and eight spinoffs. Tony Hawk's Underground is the fifth game in the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series and came out just three days after Need for Speed Underground, which is cool. We got three <laughs> games with the Underground subtitle in it. I love that. Perfect. Let's just put it, everything was underground in 2003. <laughs> yep. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at my copy of Tony Hawk's Underground right here that I have in my hand, and like Me you, too. Neil, I like to put my receipts in the uh, in the little uh, case with the manual. Nice. I like to see how much I bought it for when I bought it. I bought it in uh, September 25th, 2019, mm-hmm. at 2:02 p.m. Apparently, <laughs> uh, and I bought it for twenty dollars complete in box and. Nice. Uh, I think that's a great deal for sure. I also bought $5 of miscellaneous and uh, I don't know what that was. Drugs. Uh, oh, you know what it was? I know. It's definitely one of those stupid Wii games I got from friend of the show, Marty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was into like getting $1 Wii games or something or you were just trying or he was into just collecting bad Wii games or there's some I kind of I think it was more like me that. doing that to him. Oh. And I was like, because he had gotten a Wii uh, and to just fool around on it and play Wii Sports. So I was bu- buying him some some bad Wii games. So I guess it was a $5 miscellaneous Wii game and a $15 copy of Until Dawn. Oh, wow. That's a good that's a good deal. I love, oh, that's a great game. Until yeah. Dawn is so good. In 20 years, we'll talk about Until Dawn. But <laughs> Tony Hawk's Underground. I don't have the receipt. I usually do the receipt thing, too, yeah. in my cases. But I guess I bought this with other games. And I just put the receipt in whatever the big game is of the day. Fair. So this must have been one of those... One of those side games. So I have no idea what I paid for it, but probably around the same. I doubt I paid any more than 25 or 30 bucks for it. No, stays, like you said, it stays around the same. Yeah, yeah, it stays around the same price. 
You don't see the GameCube version all that often. This series sold mostly on PlayStation. The Tony Hawk's Tony Hawk's games were synonymous with PlayStation 1 and 2 back in the day. It wasn't really a Nintendo uh, franchise, and even today when people talk about it, they still talk about playing it on PS2. I think that was the superior way to play Underground. It had a few more features than the GameCube one did, like we talked about in our original Tony Hawk episode. Um, You could mail in a photo of your face, and Mm. they would recreate it in the game, which was pretty cool. And we discovered in 2020 that that service has, unfortunately, been (laughs) shut down. But uh, this week when playing the game, I I went in and, of course, create a character mode is big in this game. And I did make a character that looked somewhat like me. Did you play the game the same way, Mike? Did you try and recreate your own face in the game? No, I, even as a kid, I would try and make, like, the silliest looking guy. Nice. <laughs> That's, Shrek. Like, the Shrek, yes. I often try and make Shrek in my games, uh, especially mm-hmm. in my Dark Souls games. I'll, I'll try and make Shrek. But, uh, uh, yeah, I always I always like doing the silliest guy. Um, but, um, and in this one, I was doing it, too, and I called him Ass. Nice. Uh, as you do when I was mm-hmm. played a, playing it again this week. And, yeah, just about, you know, just going into uh, to Underground itself, uh, playing the game the gameplay and everything, especially on GameCube, because I've been playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 on the PS4, so uh, my my kind of fingers were, were, were trained again to play it on PlayStation, so it was interesting going back and playing it on uh, the GameCube, and I think it was fine. Like, it took me, it, I will say, it, it took me a couple seconds to really get attuned to the GameCube controls for it. I think the PS3, I, I know this is sacrilegious to say, but I think the PS3 controller might be better suited for Tony Hawk, um, yeah. and just just in general, I think I think the GameCube controller wins out in almost every other way. You know, obviously any shooters, adventure games, uh, any kids mm-hmm. games as well. It's always going to be your number one. But I I found for doing those quick tricks uh, and and for lack of a better better term, basically button mashing, where you're just like doing a bunch right. of buttons really quickly. <laughs> uh, I find that the PS2 controller or just any PlayStation controller is superior. Yeah, you have those extra two triggers, too, with the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it said that the PlayStation 2 controller is better for just about every sports game. Uh, I don't know how true that is. I would argue that Wii Sports is best played with a Wiimote. But, uh, I think <laughs> or when, a when you're talking controller. <laughs> controller. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think when you're talking about hockey, baseball, soccer, football, I think the PlayStation controller, it's argued that it is best for all those things. And I think that that is also true for, for Tony Hawk games. Just especially mm. when you're talking about you have to uh, switch up between the X and the Y button a lot. And that can get a yeah. little bit confusing sometimes. So I, I have muscle memory now for playing both PlayStation and GameCube. It's kind of weird. I can almost switch hit. Uh, nice. With both controllers, yeah, which is uh, pretty good for both. So I, I can uh, I can switch it up pretty easily. Um, I, I'm sorry to hear that you did not uh, ever try to make yourself in the game. It might be kind of tough. I don't know if you had the opportunity to add glasses. I think you did. I, I think never you had did. To, I, and and yeah, Thug, you did definitely. Okay. And Thug, because as we talked about before, Thug just has immense customization, and I would yeah. say that's kind of my first point. My first of many points in my PowerPoint about why <laughs> Tony Hawk's Underground is great is is the the customization features are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it's it's bonkers to me when I was playing this game again and going through making my own park, making my own uh, uh my own tricks, my own character, everything. Like it was there was so so much customization done in the game, and there was such a focus on it. Uh, when I was reading about 
the kind of the story of Underground and how it was all how it came up. Neversoft really this was really a Neversoft thing more than anything, mm-hmm. and 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 they really wanted to push themselves, and the devs wanted to push themselves to create uh, a different kind of game. And and their their main focus, their kind of north star throughout this entire process, was like, how do we make the most customizable game ever? And mm. you can see that coming through here. You can see that like the customization definitely weighs heavily for every kind of decision that was was made for uh, from the developers. Definitely, and it worked out so well with this game especially. It was like the the eclipse of the two things, which was they wanted to make a game where you could customize everything, your character, your style, your board, your parks if you wanted to, while also making a story so outrageously inappropriate and in some ways offensive and vulgar, so much so that the characters or the uh, pro skaters that were in the game didn't want to be playable. And that's why yeah. a lot of the character, all the characters that are in the game, like Tony Hawk, Bob Burnquist, Paul Rodriguez, Chad Muska, Mike Vallali, Stacey Peralta, they're all NPCs. They're all characters that you meet along the way in your journey of going from a uh, a novice skater to a pro skater. Um, they had this, uh, the, the, the developers gave you the ability to create your own characters so that the pros didn't have to be the ones skating through strip clubs and fighting drug dealers and fighting cops and everything like that. So it was the perfect timing in the the ability to customize your game while also including all of these pros and uh, famous musicians and other characters as well. So it, it was that, that peak time in the 2000s when we had all of these things in games at once. Yeah, and, and it makes sense too, though. Like the fact that like I feel like Pro Skater 3 or 4 probably could have done... Uh, done it where you make your own character that feels like it was a bit you know the fifth entry into the series and you still haven't been able to make your own character like this is finally it uh for for a game that as you said before really does make you feel like you're skateboarding it feels like the next step is obviously to just make yourself or make a custom character in the game Mm -hmm. but i know they they weren't really focused on that they were they were honestly just shocked at the fact that this came or that uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater One did anything at all like that was a that was a really huge shock to the system for the video game industry. Um, no one thought that this game was going to take off like it did. There there had been many many extreme sports games and skateboarding games before Tony Hawk. Like that's one thing that I think people kind of forget. They're like, oh, Pro Skater that was the that was like the first skateboarding game. It's like no, it's been around. Like skateboarding games have been around since the eighties. Like mm-hmm. that this was a, a actually quite an old gaming concept because in reality it's actually very easy to do and um and listening back to our episode it was uh, i like that we kind of talked about the history and everything as we do mm-hmm. about um about tony hawk and and you know how in 1998 neversoft was working on a tech demo for a skateboarding game and they developed that downhill skateboarding game with bruce willis yeah. uh, on a skateboard <laughs> since they had that animation from uh, whatever previous game they were working on that had bruce willis in it um, apocalypse yeah. that's right apocalypse and they took that demo which was a racing game and um and it it ended when you got to the end of the uh, uh of the ramp but there was a little skate park at the end of it that uh, you could mess around uh, before your opponent got there and they found that players had more fun in the skate park than they did actually playing the the real game so they they took it they put tony hawk in it put his name on it got it signed off and that was the birth of uh, Pro Skater 1 on the N64 in uh, 1999. Yeah, it was perfect timing in 99 with Tony Hawk coming up. He had just landed the 900, which was 
like perfect timing for that game's marketing too. They had to add that trick to the game last minute because up until then no one thought it was possible. So yeah. it was just all of these perfect timings coming up in 1999 and then it, it spawned this amazing franchise and um yeah, it's it's cool to see. It was cool to see Neversoft back then making these incredible skateboarding games, perfecting a genre that had existed for so long, but that happens with most video game genres. Like most people consider Mario to be the original platformer. He's not. A lot of people consider like Call of Duty or Medal of Honor to be the original uh first-person shooters, but you had Quake and Wolfenstein and Doom yep. a decade yep. before those games. So they 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 perfect them and they popularize them, but they don't necessarily start them. Uh, on top of the pro skaters and the customizable skater, Tony Hawk uh, was very well known for having uh, hidden characters that you could unlock in the game mm-hmm. too, and Thug was uh, was also uh, key in that uh, in that in uh, key in that tradition. They included Iron Man, a parody uh, of Chud called Thud. Uh, Chud was from a really weird science fiction horror film from 1984. Yeah. I don't know who in NeverSoft had such a fascination with that m- movie. Uh, Chud <laughs> stood for cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Oh, uh, in this case, it was uh, Tony Hawk underground dwellers. Uh, that's what that stood for. <laughs> um, I was trying to find like who who on the team was so obsessed with the character that you had this random. There's yeah, there's a weird like affinity for horror films and older horror films uh, in in Neversoft and in Tony Hawk in general, like mm-hmm. the logo, the Neversoft logo is the Creature from the Black Lagoon coming out, like the animation for yeah. it at the beginning of, of Thug is uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon coming out and taking the eyeball. Uh, like, uh, And there's also, isn't the Creature from the Black Lagoon also in this uh, game as well uh, as a as an unlockable character or it's like a parody of him? That is Chud. That's the Thud character. That it's is not, Chud. It, it, yeah, it looks like the creature from go. the Black Lagoon, but it's the alien from that sci-fi film. Definitely similarities between the two characters. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would love to see Neversoft come out and make a horror game. You're right. They do have a history with it. Their first game was called Skeleton Warriors on Sega Saturn, and that had a horror element to it. Unfortunately, since they're owned by Activision, uh, they were kind mm-hmm. of uh, put into the Guitar Hero closet and now they're in uh, <laughs> call of duty hell so <laughs> they were put in a dungeon to make a gu- gu- guitar hero in call of duty games yeah. i would love to see them to see activision give them the ability i'm sure the original people aren't there anymore to do it but to make a horror game i'm sure that they would have done a pretty good job with it to make like a really cool sci-fi horror game we will never see that now which is unfortunate but yeah there are elements of violence and horror throughout the games like the blood the characters yeah. uh you know comes out of the characters if you fall awkwardly the the violent uh falls that you make the on your sound. head sound yeah Oof. the cracks and the bangs that happen Oof. if you get hit by a car or you 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 know you fall on your head off off of a half pipe a lot of violence in these games it's it's awesome it's really cool it definitely <laughs> earns that t rating this game it really does. And uh, Neil, I think it's time for us to bring on someone who can talk a little bit more about that T rating and about the game itself. It's friend of the show, Stefan. We haven't had him on for almost 100 episodes, which is a, an absolute disgrace. So I'm really excited to have him on again to talk about some Tony Hawk. But before we get into some thug today, we're going to ask Stefan, Stefan, can you do a kickflip in real life? I cannot. I cannot okay. do a kickflip. You're letting you're letting down Tony Hawk right now. Yeah, no, you can't do a 900 either. I'm assuming. Uh, no, I can do that one. I can do that. One. <laughs> that's like the first trick people learn, Mike. Come on. Yeah, no, that one's easy. It's the other stuff that's tough. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, manual is very hard. And of course, I mean, like everyone, you basically just got all your points by doing manuals or just grinding in uh, in <laughs> Tony Hawk games. When I'm skating in real life, I I'm doing like the thing where you press the button multiple times and it makes the sound and you change the trick. 
Right. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> what is it about Tony Hawk games as soon as it's like, get a six score of 25,000. It's like, well, I'm grinding this entire level, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just pre- button mashing. But you know what? That's what it's all about. Mm. That's really what it's all about. And um, and so we got to ask you then for, for Tony Hawk. Of course, we did talk to you about 100 episodes ago about Tony Hawk, but we, we mostly just talked about the Pro Skater games. So uh, I want to ask you again what, what your history is with uh, Tony Hawk, the franchise, and Underground. Uh, they're kind of the only games that I've ever been super passionate about other than maybe like city skylines and the Sims. <laughs> nice. Cool. I mean, like I love, I love games, but the games that I've spent hundreds of hours on, it's Tony Hawk's man. It's Tony Hawk. And how did you first get into the franchise then? I think it's kind of started like the way that everyone started with it, which is you're in a position where you're extremely... You know, everyone, all your friends are are skating and you're playing tech decks and you're playing Tony Hawk's like it, it, that was it. Like that was it was watching skateboarding stuff, trying to skate poorly mm-hmm. and also playing Tony Hawk's and, and, and tech decks and all that stuff. Of course. Don't forget Heelys too, the Heely shoes. Everyone had those. So I actually had Heelys early. I was early oh. on the Heelys trend. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a bit of a blessing, you know. I I so I what happened was I went to Florida with my family, and when I was there, we saw Heelys at this mall, and I was like, "Mom, I need these shoes. Yep. I need these shoes," and we got them, and I fell so hard <laughs> constantly. They're not a safe shoe. No. They're not fun to walk with. They're definitely not fun to to actually try and skate around with. It was, it's a bad scene, but it did feel pretty cool when you like actually nailed it in the middle of like the halls of elementary school. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did your school ever ban Heelys? Because ours did. Ours banned them pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't know if it ever got banned. There was definitely a point where like there was collisions because multiple kids have Heelys. (laughs) Well, there was also those kids that like kept using Heelys forever. (laughs) You know, like they use them like five years after Heelys were cool. Like they were coming into job interviews after university in Heelys. Like, <laughs> Honestly, hello. That would be a great way to differentiate yourself. Right? Showing up. Like, sign, like here's my resume. Just breezing on into the office. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> well, the, our next podcast series after this one, you know, GameCube is cool. Unlocking what was cool. Heelys were cool. I think is going to be the next one. It's really only going to focus on like three years from like mm-hmm. 2002 to 2005. So it's good time. It, yeah, we have enough content for it, I think. Oh, definitely. You guys could do an entire series of just learning how to do sick, like, soap shoe style tricks. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, like, it's a very deep well. You could get, like, 6,000 episodes out of it, I'm sure. We have to be very anti-rollerblades, too. That's got to be part of it, is, like, yeah. we only support sports with one wheel on your shoes. None of this. Screw none these of this. bladers. <laughs> anyway, we're talking today about skateboarding, which was a very popular sport in the 90s and 2000s, and it's very popular today now, thanks to TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and everything else. But going back to the Tony Hawk Underground series, Stefan, what, uh, what stood out to you about this game? What was your memory of playing it for the first time? Well, so the first time I ever heard about it, I think... I had a copy of like the PlayStation magazine, RIP, <laughs> and I was, this was like how into the game I was. Like I bought it because they had a, like the cover was about Tony Hawk's Underground. And I was like, what is this game? They were like, yeah, you can walk around. And I was like, what? Like, that's like <laughs> my favorite thing to do in the world is walk around. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do in a skateboarding game is walk around. That and like climb on power lines. That's my other favorite thing to do. So it included both my favorite things. <laughs> So I was really hyped for the game. 
<laughs> and when it, fi- when it finally dropped, I remember booting it up. I didn't know anything about the plot or anything, obviously. I knew that mm-hmm. you could skate and you could climb on stuff. And I knew New York was in it. I didn't realize that it started off in New Jersey and like mm-hmm. had that. I didn't know it had a story either. Because obviously, previous Tony Hawk games did not. This was the first one that kind of felt like it was like almost like an RPG or something on yep. some level. So I was super excited to have that because like I never really got into a lot of those games. And this kind of gave me that. And it almost felt like an adult, like not really like looking back, but when you first see it, you're like, it's almost like there's an adult story to it or something. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. Like, this this was pretty game-changing for any kid who had played Tony Hawk or really any extreme sports games beforehand. Honestly, even sports games. Like, like to have a story in this and to not just make it an annualized franchise forever was pretty bold of Neversoft. Like, you think, like, imagine, like, NHL comes out for, like, five years and they're like, you know what? We're going to make NHL Underground. We're going to make a whole story. We're going to make your own character. We're going to have all this kind of stuff going on and and i think it was like so impactful for us because uh really this was following the model of gta 3 you know gta 3 comes out and completely changes the gaming landscape where now all of a sudden you can leave like you can do everything this game has literally everything in it and for us as as what like eight-year-olds when gta 3 comes out we're not playing that obviously but uh we are playing tony hawk's underground uh which is really our equivalent to GTA 3. It's our equivalent to like this ability to be able to do everything in a game and to to really hone everything that this game engine has. Totally. I didn't even think about that. It's like it basically is I mean, I'm sure they just took the inf- inspiration from GTA. Mm-hmm. But it really did for a moment like you're driving cars around too. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that until just now. Like you're driving <laughs> around like a car and jumping it over a bridge. <laughs> Yeah, and you gotta like steal away, like you gotta get off your board and go steal skate skateboard parts back from drug dealers, and yeah, you you steal or you drive stolen cop cars. Like it, it's not open world like GTA is, but it does have those elements where you feel like you're you're a rule breaking teenager or whatever. Like it's supposed to feel like a more adult Tony Hawk game, and yeah, it was cool that they introduced the story and the ability to get off your board. I find it funny, uh, Stefan, that you said that your favorite part of the game, your favorite part of a skateboarding game was not skateboarding. It was <laughs> walking around and uh, climbing power lines, like you said. And it was cool that they gave you the ability to do more things off the board. I just felt like playing uh, playing the game this week, uh, the, the skating mechanics are, have all aged very well. Like It's very fluid, very easy to pick up and play. But Man, the on-foot missions and the driving missions have not no, aged it very well at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Like, it took like 20 minutes for me to... I remember the big one was climbing up the hotel for doing the McTwist over the helicopter. Yep, in Hawaii. Great moment. One of the best <laughs> moments in video games ever. I remember like falling down, trying to like stumble my way into tricking the game into letting me climb up a ladder. Like, And you just slide... like. Instead of stopping when you stop running in the game, you just slide. Because it's obviously not designed for skating or for running. It's designed for skating. It's because he's wearing Heelys. It's so it's it's so funny, like how how it's all kind of programmed. And Neil did say that you can definitely see the vestiges of Spider Man Two, uh, which oh, is Activision's yeah. uh, other game. In here for sure, they definitely lent some of that engine to this. And uh, and of course, you mentioned the most iconic game uh, moment in video game history 
which is when you are doing uh, uh doing the trick over uh, over the bridge in Hawaii uh, an absolute iconic moment and uh, uh that brings me to the plot of this game so of course like you said Stefan there is a story uh there's uh a, your protagonist who cr- you create uh my protagonist's name was Ass of course and so Ass uh, and his best friend Eric uh, who is an actual asshole, uh, just a terrible, terrible human being. <laughs> One of the worst video game characters ever. Most dreaded villain in any video game. <laughs> Probably. Probably. I, I, I kind of call him, like, the Lawson of Recess. You know, like, like in Recess, it's like the Lawson mm. of this game. Just just a whiny, wannabe punk asshole. So irritating. And he's meant to be your kind of your rival, your New Jersey skate rival. Uh, think of him as kind of Gary Oak to your Ash, uh, to your to Red. It's totally a Gary, except Gary, <laughs> girls like Gary. It's true. Girls like Gary. Girls do That's not right. like Eric. And uh, obviously, he eventually betrays you and uh, beats you at skateboarding, quote unquote. Uh, and your character just so nice to him the entire time. Just just trying to help him out. He gets in a jam. He's he's hanging out with the wrong people. He's uh, stealing stuff from drug dealers. And, you know, you're always just a nice guy to him. At the climax, of course, there's the helicopter jump or the, the jump over the helicopter in Hawaii. Uh, your character, of course, pulls off the jump. But, oh, no, Eric takes the tape and claims that it was him doing the jump. And he gets famous on your jump, what a dick. Uh, eventually, it does get proven that he didn't actually do it. You guys do a skate off to see who truly is the best skater in the world, and it is you. But, um, Stefan, did you know about the alternate ending that can happen in this game? Yes, and I've gotten it before. I okay. forgot what I need to do to do it. I think it's just like you have to beat every like complete every task and every level. You basically just have to beat the game once, and then you go back and play it. Yeah. Yeah, so... I remember you just didn't you just punch him instead of <laughs> yep. instead of having to skate yep. after him. <laughs> it's it's the most cathartic thing ever. It's amazing, but the funny thing about it is like this man can shoot fire, evidently. <laughs> yeah. He has magic powers and you can just punch him in the face. Yep. They that's right. Sh- I think all video games should be like that. <laughs> it's basically one punch man by as in in Tony Hawk, you just and you absolutely knock him Little out. Little did we know your character ass actually does have super strength. <laughs> <laughs> my my super strength ass but uh yes that's something that i actually didn't know about until uh playing it again uh three years ago when we talked about this and i was like oh that's kind of cool so yeah great great alternate ending if you do get to the game on new game plus uh a mode no one has ever referred to new game plus to refer <laughs> yeah. to tony hawk underground <laughs> not not yet anyways but no the story is awesome in this game i love the the, the protagonist and the antagonist between you and eric who is an absolute piece of crap uh, from from the get go too, you can already tell he's a slime ball. He's a snake. He's he's the worst. Yeah. Uh, and the cutscenes, like Stefan said, like th- this game is chock full of them. Every level ends with a pretty cool cutscene. You know, three or four minutes each, and there is always a pro skater in there, like Tony Hawk or Stacy Peralta or um, Bob Burnquest as well. And then it also did a great job of explaining why you're doing the things that you do, because in Tony Hawk Pro Skater one <laughs> through four, it's basically just telling you to do all these random things for no apparent reason. While in this game, it's giving you a reason to to collect high scores and to you know wall slide stickers off of walls and to land certain tricks uh for police officers for some reason very (laughs) still very weird and out there but it it at least gives you a reason for doing everything and why you're going to all these different places the story takes you to new jersey manhattan tampa san diego hawaii vancouver slam jam which is also in canada moscow and uh, australia uh, which is awesome i love that you become like a you start off in this like really crappy neighborhood 
in New Jersey, and eventually you get to go all the way to to Moscow, which uh, personal favorite level of mine. Uh, that's such a cool level in the game. Uh, did you guys have a favorite level that you like to uh, to play in in Thug? Weirdly, I think I spent the most time playing Tampa. Mm, okay, but I don't know if it's my favorite. I just like the fact that there's the skate park element and also the outdoor element. No comment on the strip club part of it. That's not my favorite part. It's not because I get to see a cop having relations with a goat. Uh, it's just, I'm just a big fan of the skating, man. What was the other really good one? I mean, the Manhattan one is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater 2 version. Like, they maintain certain parts of it, like the banks and all of that, but it's... Mm-hmm. A very different level and then you can get up high i just love these i love those levels when you can get all around yeah i think uh correct me if i'm wrong Neil, but is this the only is manhattan the only like technically like revisit from the the tony hawk pro skater series i think so there might have been some unlockable uh, levels in the multiplayer uh modes as well i didn't i never played this game in multiplayer no, i have to admit that so the yeah uh, yeah, the main story, though, I think Manhattan is the only one. Just going really quick, though, to the Tampa scene with uh, the goat and the cop. What what, <laughs> what was that? Was that a reference to something? Is that something from Jackass? I Like, you go, th- you go down this back alley. You go down this back alley, and there's just a cop hanging out with a goat. And you have to, like, stop for a minute to see why, but it's never explained. No, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. This cop... <laughs> It's symbolic. into certain things. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's not the only time it appears. I know we're talking about Tony Hawk Underground 1 today, but Tony Hawk Underground 2, I'm pretty sure there's another goat scene. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think we need more scholars to analyze this game to uh, to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> Sadly, I think I even know the level and how to get there, which is... <laughs> I've done maybe, it enough. I don't need that in my brain. But. I've done this before. But what about you, Mike? What's your favorite level in the game? Do you have a spot you like to skate on? Yeah, definitely Manhattan. That was my favorite for this. The, honestly, the, the the reason Stefan listed too. Like it, it was really cool. I so I played this game before uh, Pro Skater actually, or at least I remember playing it before Pro Skater. Um, so I I didn't really I make the connection between the two. It was cool playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater to the the remake and, and playing Manhattan on there and being like, oh yeah, underground. This is cool. Yeah, it was just it was so cool to see Manhattan and like in in a game like that. Obviously, just coming from Spider Man too as well. So that was neat. And and uh, and I think New York and any video game setting is always kind of fun to explore, especially if you've been there before. Uh, and uh, yeah, going going high up, skateboarding high up is always is always cool. Not dangerous at all. Also, you just uh, <laughs> you totally honorable can't... mention to to. <laughs> Vancouver, mm-hmm. yep. a rare Canadian appearance in a video game, other than, yeah. I guess, Canada, which is, I think, Calgary. Yeah, it's Banff, Calgary, like whatever that... Uh, the skate area. park is modeled after the Olympic Park yes. in Calgary. I don't know. It's very weird, but there's also a totem pole. So it's kind of <laughs> cool. BC as well. But I, the Vancouver level is really great, and it's weirdly accurate to certain areas of the city, like the Fairmont Hotel, yeah. Vancouver. I worked for Fairmont for a while, and I was like, "Oh, I kind of know this property." <laughs> Where like, do I know stayed it from? There? <laughs> Have you stayed there? I'm like, "Well, two things: uh, Tony Hawk has it, and then also it's the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody Hotel, and that they use for the interstitials." So oh. I've got pretty good knowledge of the property. That's how you got your job with Fairmont is you came into the interview in your Heelys and you showed them your high score on the Vancouver <laughs> level from Thug, and you were like, "Look, I, I've been here. I know this place," and they were like hire this man that's that's exactly how you did it he's in they called like a like i think they pulled like a phone out of this random like hole in the desk like called it like a red phone and they called hire this man and then you were in you you were the ceo within a day exactly Um, 
the product placement in this game though was interesting of course we have all of these skate brands in there like element and uh quicksilver or whatever i don't know all of these brands dc was in there as well but there were other ones too like in the manhattan level that everybody loves the manhattan level there's a mcdonald's mission yes yeah what what's going on first of all an incredibly racist mission but what <laughs> what <laughs> How did they get that in there? Like, you don't see a lot of fast food tie-ins in in video games. I liked it though. You have this Japanese chef uh, working for a McDonald's, trying to uh, create the ultimate culinary experience at a Manhattan McDonald's. Which, if you've been to Manhattan, McDonald's is not that. Um, I love that. Mission, Times Square McDonald's is iconic, man. It's, it's iconic, but man, I, the only McDonald's we went to in uh, in New York were choice. But yeah, that was a that was a pretty cool level. Um, did, did you guys have any missions from uh, Manhattan or other levels that that stood out to you? Sadly, the ones that I remember the most are the ones that had like the vehicles, which are the worst. Yeah. Because yep. I remember having to do them like six hundred times because you couldn't control the vehicle. And the arrow sucked too. Oh my yeah. god, it was awful. It it like. It, if you were on it, like if you were actually where you were kind of supposed to go and you weren't exactly there, the arrow would still be kind of pointing you and like kind of turning around, not yeah. knowing where you were. I'm like, I don't know where the, the where I'm supposed to go, man. I think yeah. another really good one was in Moscow when you have to escape Moscow. Another one where you have to walk a lot, but you can skate most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or getting over the wall. There's so many cool like parts where you can't access part of the level and you need to do stuff. And it's cool because it plays into the plot of the game, which I think, you know, you, there was parts where you could unlock stuff like in the Venice level in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. There was always like unlockable stuff, but I think the fact that it played into the plot of the game to actually get into the different areas is really cool. That, that's where like the plot and everything, like, you know, as corny, as problematic sometimes as it may be, <laughs> it, it, it worked. It actually made this game a lot of fun. And I, I think it was a great idea to really reinvigorate the series. Not saying that three and four were, were bad games at all. They were great, but, but Tony Hawk certainly, or like like skateboarding games certainly need something else to, to push them forwards. And, and, you know, it was four years of basically the same game over and over again. And so it was, it was a pretty big risk by uh, Activision and Neversoft to, to really take this path and, and really try and make a, a a game with this, like with the, the level of, of work that they had to do for this story and make everything uh, work together as well. And then, of course, the, the customization in this game is just unbelievable. Stefan, did you did you do any kind of customization, like make your own park or tricks? Man, I got to the point where I bought an eye toy so I could yes. I PS2 eye toy so God. I could ch- put my face on my character. <laughs> it, and it was terrible. Uh, and you couldn't use that. Like No other games were really even compatible with the stupid thing. I did that. I even I made my own custom tricks when mm-hmm. they they oh, they prompted to you too at part of the game. But yeah, I loved get making my guy just do six backflips as my move <laughs> in like half a second. That was really cool. I mean, I'd love to customize my guy to make them look like absolute freaks. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's the same thing as like when you're playing Skyrim or whatever and you mess up your character, you make your character look really messed up. Yeah. And then they're in a cutscene with a bunch of people like <laughs> looking normal. It's so good. Like, you know, you see other people playing it and like, you know, you're in a serious cutscene with all these pro skaters and your guy's wearing like a giant fur coat, like these massive boots, <laughs> it's, like shades that don't work, like a, like a gold chain. It's like, this is not what skaters look like when they're skating. And then it's when you really got into funny. Tony Hawk's Underground 2, all the characters kind of did look like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of the clown show a little bit. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was, and that's a good like that's a good point to bring up here. So of course you you played the Tony Hawk games, you played Underground, you loved it, and then you went to and bought Underground Two. I'm assuming when the, when that came out, and what was your what was your thoughts around that? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't expect Eric Sparrow to make a, an appearance, but he did in, almost instantly. So it is actually a sequel to the first game. Yep. But basically, <laughs> he, it's nice that he gets his comeuppance. He gets kicked <laughs> off the tour early on. Yeah. Everyone, everyone thinks he sucks. And I mean, that's the takeaway. Other than that, I just remember that game being like very silly. It felt very. It felt way more like attributed to like Jackass and Viva La Bam. It's way way more of a Bam Margera game than like a Tony Hawk game almost. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it is. It honestly is, and I think uh, they really just use the Tony Hawk name to to sell copies, obviously. But like Neil and I talked about in in our episode, we when we first talked about Tony Hawk, this was very much a Bam Margera game. Like the the, the that game starts off with the cutscene of you in the van because they kidnapped you. Uh, and like threw you in the van, and then it's Bam Marger with a uh, with a chainsaw coming up to you and say, "Oh, relax, guys! Like it's just, it's just all fun. Like welcome to the tour." And like, what the hell is this? Like this is so weird. And 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 for me, it was funny because I had always thought that I played Underground Two. That was like my favorite of the Tony Hawk games. Uh, just because I hadn't played the games in probably 15 years. And then when we went back to them for the episode, I was like, oh no, it's Underground 1. That's that's the game I really like. Actually, Underground 2 is a little too much for me. It's like, it's they just cranked up the jackass silliness dial there, like you said, Stefan, way too much for Underground 2. Yeah, I, the plot was definitely not as good. Although I think it, it might be the best, Tony Hawk Underground 2 might have the best gameplay in terms of like mechanics of any of them. The skating is really good. They even like, they changed things so that like a, a bit more gravity, but it also like felt arcadey still. And I don't know, the fun yeah. game, it's just, it didn't, like Tony Hawk's Underground took itself very seriously or a lot more, but for the it, most part, it didn't. Like it, the, it, the second one was like just too right. much. Yeah, it was definitely a little too much in American Wasteland coming along as well after that. And yeah, what, what, when did you fall off the series? I guess, when did you kind of, when, when was it it for you? So I I was kind of done with the games after Underground 2, but I did rent. I went to Roger's video mm-hmm. and I rented a copy of uh, American Wasteland, which was the game after Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Mm-hmm. And I played through like most of the game and I didn't really enjoy it. I thought like there was a lot of the plot was trying to be a bit more serious, but it wasn't as entertaining. They didn't change anything in terms of mechanics to make it super exciting I ended up just renting it that one time, returning it, never really thinking about it ever again. (laughs) Uh, But I still, like, I played Tony Hawk Underground and Tony Hawk Underground 2. I played those games for, like, I don't know, three more years or four more years after that. So, I don't know. Yeah, American Wasteland is the definitive downhill trajectory of the series, for sure. And we had that uptick in 2020 with the remasters. So you're not alone with that opinion. Most people do consider Thug and Thug 2 to be kind of the end of the uh, the golden era of, of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And one thing that you can't bash on for pretty much every Tony Hawk game, mostly, is the controls. Like, in, even if the story is wacky or the multiplayer doesn't work or the levels are kind of so-so, like, the controls just about always work for these games. And that's why they're so easy to go back to. Like, even if, you, you know, you're a, even if you're a kid nowadays playing, you know, you grew up with PlayStation 4 or the, the new systems. Like, if you went back to play Tony Hawk on uh, PS1, like, graphics aside, you could probably figure it out pretty quickly, which is not something you can say about a lot of games that started in the uh, in the polygonal generation that we had when we were kids. 
It's true. <laughs> but American Wasteland was a pretty big deal at the time. I remember they, they, they were selling it mostly because it's like, there's no load screens or something. It's that was like, like a, long alleys. Yeah, that was the whole thing. It's like, there are load screens. Yeah. You just hid them very poorly. Um, and that was like the big, that was a huge thing in the 2006 yeah, to 2010 yeah. thing was hiding load screens. But honestly, playing Thug, that was a that was a huge perk for me was that there basically are none. Other than the game or the level loading up for the first time, which doesn't take very long at all. Uh, if you want to restart a uh, a goal or a mission or whatever, if you need to quickly restart because you screwed up, it's basically instantaneous. You hit start and you just hit restart goal, restart mission, and you're right back to where you started. It's snap of a finger and you're back to where you were. So the load screens in the Tony Hawk games were never a problem for me. So uh, that's a big thumbs up that I need to give Thug and all the Tony Hawk games uh, from back in the day in general. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like the the balance between like, having plot in such a small little area in this game is really interesting because the levels are are much bigger than the levels from like even pro skater 4 mm-hmm. they're bigger levels but they also have to do so much more so they're just like the level design is amazing in these games because you get to some of the later levels like your later series like even underground 2 and those maps are like not as skatable because everything's super spread out because they feel like they have to do everything Whereas these levels are just like, it's like GTA where there's not a dull moment in the, in the map. Yeah. Once you're in the game, there's no moments of like boredom. Yeah. And to achieve that in 2003, like that's a huge task. Like they, they killed it with that. And yeah, like you said, amazing level design and, and really was the peak. And like, I think this, the, the combined pro skater and the ideas of, of really just, you know, for lack of a better term, like the, the ideas of GTA so well in that sense when creating these levels, but um, but the last question we have for you, Stefan, is soundtrack highlights. Are there any songs from this great soundtrack? There's o- over uh, 70 songs in the soundtrack. Uh, any songs that really stand out to you that, that you associate with Thug? Seed by Sublime was huge. I love mm-hmm. that song. <laughs> um, and I, I, my, my sister got me into Sublime before. <laughs> Before this album came out, I don't know why she was into them when we were like ten. <laughs> caress me down. Yeah, she's a big caress me down fan. Big fan of uh, Forty Ounces to Freedom before she knew what Forty Ounces was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's got to be that or No Effect, Separation of Church and Skate. Yep. Deltron Thirty Thirty, Positive Contact. So many good songs. Like, and I mean, this is one of the best. I think it's this one or Tony Hawk Three for me in terms of. Yes soundtrack because they're all just super super memorable all bangers for me nos the world is yours is one thing i always associate with this game uh and queens of the stone age my personal favorite queen song which is uh just i call it millionaire but it's you think i ain't worth a dollar but i feel like a millionaire which is like one of the best album opening songs of all time and Mm. when you're skating to it in this game you feel so good. <laughs> I was a big fan of the uh, Bad Religion's uh, Big Bang. It's awesome that they had some old Bad Religion in there, as mm-hmm. always. That was really cool. And Hot Water Music, which is a band that does ha- it has terrible SEO, but Remedy is such a good song. <laughs> I love that one. And I'm not like a huge fan of uh, hip hop or rap or anything, but I did enjoy some of it in this game. I don't know really any of these car- any of these artists because I'm just not into it. But it still works. Like it works so well with uh, with skateboarding. Not enough ska in this game. I will say that. Yeah, it was kind of at the end of the trend. But they did have some. I mean, they did have Sublime. They got it in there. That's true. 
<laughs> one of the one of the better uh, ska bands out there for he's sure. definitely pushing towards the end of the ska era yeah ska was not cool at this point unfortunately but uh what is cool is still this podcast we hope and uh we are really happy <laughs> to have stefan on to talk about some tony hawk uh, today stefan is there anything else about this game you'd like to say before we let you go for the day just keep skating man keep on skating bring it back i mean i haven't skated since i was 14 but you know what i'm gonna get a deck after this Oh, and the words of skate on into traffic, man. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) In the words of Rodney Mullen, go get a deck, man. Go get a deck. (laughs) 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 It's been awesome to have you, Stefan. And uh, we hope to see you again real soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. Take care, buddy. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, Stefan, for coming on. We really appreciate it. I had some great stories, great memories. I always, this is why we like bringing people on because there's always fun memories of, of people uh, getting into these games and experiencing them and, and even unlocking some memories for him, like uh, like actually having to use these vehicles in this game. Because, yeah, that's that's a memory you want to kind of bury because it's not fun. But uh, Stefan had some great things to say about Tony Hawk uh, and about uh, Tony Hawk's Underground. And I'm sure we will have him back sooner than 100 episodes this time. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 100 episodes since we talked about Tony Hawk for for the first time back in 2020. But honestly, it's so much fun to talk about these games. It takes me back to 2003. Lovely to talk to a fellow uh, skateboarder who got into these games or that got into skateboarding because of these games mm-hmm. uh, and did not get very good at it. Like me. I <laughs> like barely everyone. learned how to ollie. Like everyone else, we picked up a skateboard from West 49 and we, uh, we learned how to ollie over a stick. And uh, that's about it. And of course, we mastered the 900. Uh, like Stefan said, that was an easy trick easy. that everyone learns. Basically on a day one trick that you learn to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great to talk to him about that. And uh, yeah, fantastic game. Unfortunately, not a lot of underground games out there. Only two. Um, but he played the important games from the sounds of it. He played the Pro Skaters and the Thugs, which most people know uh, know to play. And we have another caller joining us today who played Thug back in the day. So Mike, with that, why don't you introduce the next caller onto the show who definitely landed a kickflip back in the day? All right, Neil, joining us today, our second guest of the show is friend of the show, Harrison, making his very first appearance on the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. Of course, he was the number one guest in terms of appearances on uh, the last series for the GameCube Was Cool, so we're excited to have him appearing for the first time here to talk about a little bit of Tony Hawk's Underground, and our first question to you, Harrison, would be, can you do a kickflip in real life? Mm, No. Have I attempted to do a kickflip in real life? Yes, but not any, not recently, no. Yeah, the thing is, like, everybody that ever tried to land a kickflip has screwed up their shins one way or another because the board just flicks right into your shins and then you land awkwardly. Nothing <sighs> worse than that, man. Board against the shin. Everybody can uh, relate to that. Stefan, who was on uh, just before you, uh, could land the 900, but not a kickflip, which is standard, obviously. Everybody mm-hmm. who uh, skateboarded back in the day, first trick we learned was the 900. Nobody ever learned how to kickflip. Yeah, I couldn't do anything uh, useful on a skateboard besides, like, throwing it. Right. <laughs> Even though I want to be, like, really good at skateboarding, just because of the whole aesthetic and everything that came with it. But, yeah, I was a terrible skateboarder. Still have my skateboards. That's that's good. I mean, uh, and I'm glad that you used the skateboard as a weapon, as <laughs> as God intended. You know, really, that's, uh, that's what the skateboard is for. And that's what... 
Tony Hawk's Underground and uh, Underground 2 really taught me was uh, was using things as weapons and uh, being able to take back skate gear from skate shops that drug dealers mm-hmm. stole. Not really sure what was going on there, but uh, that leads into, of course, this great episode to talk a little bit about Tony Hawk's Underground. And Harrison, how did you first come upon, well, two-part two two-part question here how did you first come upon tony hawk's underground and when did you first get into tony hawk the the franchise yeah so when i i'll start with when i got into the franchise because that was Mm -hmm. that was before so back in the day i was one of those kids that had tony hawk pro skater and pro skater 2 uh, for the n64 and i would play with my cousins i'd play with with my brother and we'd mainly do like the like the versus modes where you play like tag or horse or or any of those games or the graffiti one as well too Mm -hmm. and then when i got the gamecube and thug came out i was like yes here we go more tony hawk baby and then this was the time too where like you know skateboarding was at its like peak in terms of popularity at least in like more recent years right with like in the late 90s early 2000s right so not only was I wanting to skateboard even though I said I couldn't you know I was playing the video games too I was dressing like a skateboarder like I just took on the whole persona and you know the video games was a part of it and you could say that maybe it was the influence of the video games too or you know the video games were just an extension of it but yeah that's when I first started getting into uh into Tony Hawk and then yeah like I said having a GameCube and then playing Tony Hawk's Underground. Yeah, just buying it when it came out because I was like, yes, this we finally have Tony Hawk for the GameCube. There's a good podcast there's a good podcast about the GameCube too. You should check it out. Oh. Yeah, really? We should huh. check that out, Mike. That might be a good influence for uh, for our show. Who knows? I think it'll probably give us some good tidbits. And, oh, um, probably. <laughs> I, I do want to I do want to just uh just ask you one quick question off of that uh, Harrison is how how does one dress as a skateboarder? Mm. Uh, enlighten me. Mm. Yeah, so to dress as, you know, a skateboarder, you have to have wheels and you, sorry, I can't go on with that joke. It was so bad. Um, so the first, the first thing is always the shoes, right? You beg your parents to take you to West 49, those who are living in Canada, take you to West 49. It's like Zoomies equivalent, even though we have Zoomies now. Anyways. <laughs> and then you're given really like the red pill, blue pill option. You can either go Circa or you can go DC. Mm-hmm. It was usually those two. Like there's obviously other brands out there, but it was usually those two. Um, then you buy yourself like a pair of like Zoo York uh, jeans and then, you know, or like Zoo York skate pants. And then you like top it off with like an element shirt or a birdhouse shirt or, you know, whatever Tony or uh, whatever Tony Hawk's wearing or whatever Bam Margera is wearing. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you're. That's what you're doing. And then you can wear like a hat if that's your vibe. And then at that point, you've spent so much money on your board and your clothing. You're all out of money. So you have to buy the the West 49 hoodie. Like everybody had a West 49 hoodie. No one like like you had you got like your element hoodie or your Quicksilver hoodie for Christmas because those were like 80 bucks. But you could get a West 49 hoodie like two for 30. So that was a that was a no brainer there. I think I had like five West 49 hoodies at one point. There was a local skate shop in Ajax. Oh, it was called Switch. That I was like, if I don't remember the name, I'll beat myself up. Yeah, Switch. <laughs> I don't know if they still exist. I hope they do. But they had this thing where if you brought in a West 49 t-shirt, they would give you a new t-shirt for free. Like it was like their own branded Switch t-shirt, whatever. It was sick. I love that. But yeah, after dropping all that money on looking like a skateboarder, you don't actually have any money to buy a skateboard or... <laughs> 
or do anything. And that's why you buy Tony Hawk's Underground, so you can experience mm-hmm. the joys of skateboarding while wearing all your great gear, while uh, in the house with your circus shoes on. I was a DC guy, also. Just wanted to clarify that I landed on the DC side of things. I had a, I had a DC Navy shirt that I wore everywhere for at least like three years there because mm-hmm. i see pictures of myself like when i'm 10 11 12 13 and 13 year old me is still wearing the dc shirt and it's very small <laughs> 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 that was a big purchase <laughs> do you think we could get away with wearing that clothing now like yes i think we could mm-hmm. i don't think there'd be any problem i still have a van's flannel shirt that i wear all the time so i mean i'm really still in that era as as seen by doing this podcast i really haven't left 2003 <laughs> okay good because i just bought a bunch of new uh new set of shorts and they're skateboarding shorts i'm like okay if i can still wear this now in my 30s then yeah i'm good dude i need to get i needed to get new shoes for uh, wedding photos coming up and i bought i straight up just went to i went into vans and i bought a pair of black vans shoes because that's that's all i know uh so we'll see how that uh that oh it's gonna be great it's gonna be awesome i i needed to ask the guy i completely forgot to ask the guy at the counter when tickets for vans warp tour are gonna go on sale for this summer but <laughs> completely slipped my mind i forgot i hope blink 182 make it to uh to that show we'll have to see they'll probably disband within about a week of recording this again so uh who knows but going back to thug the reason why we brought you on here today harrison as you mentioned before you you really loved buying skate gear back in the day you liked uh, skateboarding when you could you carried your skateboard around you uh, in school like you were in some kind of a disney show uh what were your first impressions of playing uh, thug after playing pro skater games uh, non-stop when you were a kid first off i was terrified the reason why is because at the opening with Thud, that monster dude, yep. or whatever, yep, and he eats Eric Sparrow, that scared the living <laughs> out of me. So that was right there, like a terrible experience right off the bat. But after that, what blew me away is that you could get off the skateboard. Mm-hmm. Something as so simple as getting off the skateboard just made it a completely different game, which I thought was really cool. But I really liked, and I think as many people will tend to agree with is they they love like the story mode in mm-hmm. this game and that's what what really drew me in like obviously the multiplayer stuff that's that's always going to be fun but the fact that they went with this cool like story mode and you're going through the rise and the fall of, of your character and everything against that asshole eric sparrow <laughs> yeah that's like i remember playing and i was like okay this is this is a fun game and this was also too when i was kind of getting into the you know or I was really playing like Simpsons Hidden Run and I was mm-hmm. playing, you know, Grand Theft Auto. And there's like some crossover, right? Where, you know, just completing the missions, you know, getting better and better each time, unlocking cooler things, all that stuff. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a great first experience for sure. It was just it was so it was so impactful for us, too. And I think especially for someone like you who did come from playing the pro skiers beforehand, especially one and two being huge when they were coming out. And then, yeah, it's like nowadays you think about it, it's like obviously like you could get off your board. Like that's not a crazy thing. But I think for listeners like listening right now who really haven't experienced these games as much, like you have to remember that really before this, every extreme sports game and really just every sports game, you're just doing one thing really really well and that that was kind of the that was kind of our motto for the gamecube is cool was that most of these games were just really focusing on doing one thing really really well and that was pro skater of one two three four and then you come in with thug and just completely change the formula formula to this annualized franchise 
And it really flips everything on its head. It's like, wow, like you can have a story in here. You can have a limited customization. And like, sure, the, the story, I remember it being amazing as a kid. It's fun today. You know, it's, it's, it's problematic, like we were talking about with Stefan. But it's, it's, it's still a lot of effort was put into creating this story. And, and like you said earlier too, Neil, like giving you a reason to do these things that you were so used to in the pro skater landscape. And I think it's... Uh, it's really amazing to see, uh, and it says a lot about just Neversoft in this sense that you could create a game like Tony Hawk's Underground and have people come in from Pro Skater and just just pick it up right away and be like, yeah, this is great. This is a great extension of, uh, of what we've been playing before. But then you have people like me who'd never played the Pro Skater games really, and they come into Underground and be like, wow, this is an amazing first experience for a Tony Hawk game. So like that's a pretty rare and, and, and fine line to thread. So Neversoft... Uh, a credit where credit is due yeah it kind of takes both fan bases like for the people like us who grew up with the pro skater games back in the day if you only knew one two three and four and played underground you're probably gonna like underground but if you for some reason only played the story-based games from the mid to late 2000s like the ones that we talked about earlier with what is it project eight and uh downhill jam and american wasteland like like this game is kind of the center of that Venn diagram of fans where I feel like yes. everybody can kind of, you know, like that Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers meme of the uh, the handshake from Predator. It kind of feels like <laughs> Underground is the middle of that, you know, like it's that it's like this is like the the game that brings everybody together because it takes it takes the amazing story, the funny gags with amazing mechanics, cool moves, uh, tricks you can do on your board. Uh, it's just customizable enough to you said it earlier mike practically being like an rpg and i would agree that this game is borderline close to being an rpg with the, yep. the amount of customization you can do with your character you uh, level up skill points you can uh design your own uh tricks that stefan was saying earlier i i i didn't use the trick uh customization tool in this game all that much i didn't really understand it i'm mostly just a grind and kickflip guy in the game did you guys ever experiment with the uh with the uh, the trick customization uh tool in this game I don't remember if I did or not. Honestly, I don't think so. I was all show. So yeah. I just wanted to like look cool or had like the, the best stuff. Again, that's why I was shopping at West 49. <laughs> nice. Um, but I remember the one move that I thought was really cool was the Moonwalk 5-0, mm. where you're like grinding on, you know, you know, something legit like a telephone wire or whatever. And while you're grinding, you're doing the moonwalk on your board which i thought was the coolest thing <laughs> it was pretty cool they they that's one thing that we got to give uh this game credit for and, and all the tony hawk games credit for is that their evolution for moves is always so cool like there's always new ones that they would put in i think they even put some new ones in uh for the tony hawk uh one and two pro skater one and two remake too neil uh i'm not sure but i th i'm pretty sure they put some new stuff in and and yeah it's and i love how it threads the line between like just complete arcadiness of like a move like that uh for the moonwalk but also like you're like yeah i could probably see someone doing this like this is a possible maybe not on a <laughs> telephone pole wire but you know maybe on the pool uh on the, on the pool rail or something yeah, a lot of the moves in these in these games are unbelievable. Like it's uh, most of them are physically impossible when you get right down to it. But that that's the fun part of it. Like it, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to feel like you're a professional skater. But uh, most of these tricks are are literally impossible. Um, but it's or awesome. there is it, the impossible. So I mean, there is know. literally the impossible. Or of course the Madonna <laughs> or the uh, the Nutbreaker in this game. I'm a big fan of that one. That was a cool move in uh, in one of those missions. It's uh, no, it, it's a lot of fun. I love the moves that they incorporated into 
into this game. I, you might be right about Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remake. I don't know. They probably did incorporate all the new moves into it. I'd have to imagine uh, that they did. But speaking really quick, maybe one more time, about Eric Sparrow, we have to bring him up. He's, of course, the ultimate antagonist in this game. I was thinking about him a little bit today when preparing for this show. Did you guys know anybody like him, either in grade school when this game came out or in high school? We can start with you, Mike. Do you remember anybody that we went to school with like that? Mm, not necessarily that... I, there's there's definitely people that in my life that I've met who were similar, and I just didn't like them at all. There was uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was in middle school with us, and he just was the biggest tryhard ever, and was trying to one up you for everything too. And I'm like, what, what, dude? Just it's fine. And then uh, I then I don't know what happened to him. So maybe he became uh, a great skateboarder. Who knows? Uh, I've never met anyone who was an arson. And I never met anyone who downed a bottle of vodka and stole a tank in Russia, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I knew someone like that, but unfortunately, no. Um, there was definitely, like, those tryhards. Hell, even with the way I was describing myself earlier, I sounded like a tryhard. So maybe I was the tryhard. Oh, the ultimate twist. But, like, right? Maybe when you find out that you're actually the villain. <laughs> no, but Eric Sparrow, I think, is probably one of the most hated characters in any video game. He really is. He, he creates this like complete hatred from everyone who knows him like he is like he just backstabs you any way that he can like he thinks he's your friend but then you as the character you always like forgive him and i guess that's kind of cool because you're sticking with your core values and whatever but still <laughs> this guy's an asshole are your core values to like be nice to people who just backstab you that feels that feels a problematic uh complex I think it's just more like, you know, turning the other cheek or, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, like bygones be bygones. And, you know, he was the main character, right? He was all about like not selling out. It's true. So mm -hmm. it would have been nice if they kind of explained maybe why your character was so attached. Like, why am I doing all these favors for this guy? Like, what did he do? Like, did did he like bail my dad out of prison once or like did he <laughs> I don't know, like cook food for my family while my parents were in the hospital or something like what did he do for me that I owe him all of these favors and I have to be nice to him and I have to travel the world with him, follow him around, try and work with him, become a professional skater. I don't know. I feel like that there's a there's a few plot holes in Tony Hawk's underground, but. I mean that that uh, that goes without saying, but I mean Eric Sparrow's Underground is our is is that's the Tony Hawk Underground three that you're looking for, Neil? Is the maybe. backstory mm. of Eric Sparrow and uh, and and why he became the way he is, and so we'll get that soon, and maybe we'll get a movie of, of him done by Illumination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> who would who would voice Eric Sparrow? That's the question. Mm, good question. Yeah, who are we going to cast as Eric Sparrow, Neil? Who do you Mr. Think? Mosby from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Absolutely on a left field. I like that. <laughs> we were talking about him a little bit offline. That's why he comes to mind. I feel like he... I don't know what he's doing these days, Mr. Mosby. Thinking of hotels. We had Stefan on. I think uh, that actor <laughs> needs to come back. He's he's a great... He was a great comedic, uh, comedic actor from our time. And Adrian Brody, of course, is busy filming the Waluigi biopic. True. Uh, yeah. As, uh, as Harrison said, many... Many months ago, uh, we we have no word for the Waluigi biopic, unfortunately, but uh, but maybe we'll get an Eric Sparrow biopic. And, and speaking of bad things like Eric Sparrow, we have to talk about some cons in this game because it's a great game. It's a nearly perfect game, but there's a lot of things that aren't great. And by a lot of things, I really mean just one thing in particular, and it's the vehicles. So Harrison, uh, uh, lay down why the vehicles are so bad in this game. Yeah, so 
you know, it's Tony Hawk's pro skater. It's not Tony Hawk's pro driving. Let's just keep that in mind. Yes. The driving of it is atrocious. I don't know if they were like, oh, this is going to be a great idea. Like, let's just like work it in last minute. But the, the driving controls are just awful. It's very hard to navigate these things. Mm-hmm. And there are like a few times where you are required like missions to, to drive cars or whatever. But yeah, these things are like, yeah, trying to like to like, I think you put it uh, talking offline with Mike. I think you put it correctly. It's like trying to steer an elephant. It's it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, they're almost like they're they're like tank controls and driving controls at the same time. It's really yeah. weird. I don't know how to describe it. If it, I think that why they did it, it's because at the time stealing cars in video games was popular. GTA was just coming up. GTA three was huge. That was that that era of being a being a punk, being a punk kid, being a criminal in a video game was just trendy. So they had to add stealing cars, stealing cop cars, crashing these cars. Like every single driving level for some reason ended in your car being destroyed, sometimes yeah. with you in it. Like I don't know how you lived through some of these crashes or some of these jumps. Your character must die about fifty times in this game before it's all said and done. Or sorry, or there's just like the one level I believe where it's like you have to like 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 trick the cop cars and then you like trick them into like flying into the lake or yeah. like the ocean or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Oh, you just killed a bunch of cops. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, <laughs> just, you have to drive around. I think it's in Tampa. You have to like do like a bunch of laps of the city and then drive off into the river. And then like three cars come after you. So you are all dead and you have now killed several federal <laughs> workers. So there's that. Um, it, literally your character does die 50 times and probably gets arrested more than a hundred times in the entire game. That's the wackiness of it. But yeah, the driving mechanics are not great. The steering is terrible. The brakes are bad. Like it's not meant to be a racing game at all. We talked a little bit about the, uh, the compass arrow at the top of the screen that is not helpful. And it usually snaps left or right at the last second when you have to turn. So would rather they just... The game would be totally fine and complete without the driving missions completely. It would be cooler if you were outrunning the cops or chasing after any whoever it is in these tricked out cars on a skateboard. Like that would be totally fine. They could have just done it like that. Maybe you're going through back alleys and rooftops or whatever to to outrun the cops. That would have been cooler. It would have been very gamey, but at least it wouldn't have been driving around in these crappy cars with elephant physics, as Mike put it. (laughs) <laughs> those damn elephants yeah i mean it it, it really does it, it's one of the few games i can think of where taking a, a mechanic away from the game would actually make it better mm-hmm. uh, and if you took out the driving missions and really just the driving in general from this game and just made it on foot i think you would have been fine like it, it i definitely hear what you're saying neil where, where they felt like they, they wanted to put it in because of those reasons and because of the time but I, th- I think they, they definitely overextended their reach there, for sure. Like, they, they had a great idea with getting off the board, pressing Z, going off your board was a, the, the best thing ever, and I loved it so much, and I still love it today, playing it again. Love just being able to walk around instead of just skating all the time. Because that was one thing that, in, like, the pro skater games, I'd kind of get annoyed with sometimes, where I'm just like, I just want to stop. I just want to, like, go slowly, like, for a little <laughs> bit here. I just want to get off my board and, like, figure out where I am. But um, uh, the the fact that they had to put the vehicles in as well, you know, it's it's like it's like they, they skipped a step. You know, it, it, the, these vehicles could have come come in for American Wasteland or for uh, Tony Hawk's uh, Underground Two. Like there's opportunities here, so I think they they were just going for for the the big bomb here and uh, and came up a little short because of that. But obviously, still the game is is still fantastic in every other way. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I I don't think that the driving missions 
fit in any Tony Hawk game personally. I think you're totally no. right. Sometimes <laughs> taking a th- taking something out of a game, it's addition by subtraction. It makes it it makes it all the better. But there's a lot of great uh, levels in the game. Of course, we talked about with uh, Stefan some of the really good levels that we love, like Manhattan and Moscow, and you get to go to Vancouver. Uh, Harrison, are there any levels or uh, areas in this game that really stand out to you as a as a favorite? Uh, well, always seeing a Canadian city in a video game, I always thought that was cool. So Vancouver was definitely one. Russia was also a highlight. Moscow, I was, I think I spent most of my time in Moscow. Well, <laughs> now if you just tuned into the podcast, I'm talking about the level and not the actual city of Moscow. <laughs> but um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Mo- Moscow. Um, where was the one where you did the helicopter jump? Oh, it's in Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii's Yeah, that's classic. Mm-hmm. But then also too, you could unlock the like the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 levels. And I loved the school a lot in California. So that was uh, also, well, okay. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Mm. How much money do you think the band Kiss put into this game? <laughs> Great segue. Great segue. <laughs> uh, because I was like, I was like, what about the hotter than hell level yeah. in Australia? And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Kiss was a weird one in there. It was Thud, which is based on the 1984 sci-fi horror film Chud and Kiss. Those were like the two. It's funny because the old Tony Hawk games, there's always like a weird character in the game, like Spider-Man or Darth Maul or whoever. But for some reason, like these ones, they make no sense, but they also like make no sense. Like, why is Gene Simmons in this? Like, why are we going to a Kiss level? Why is this random sci-fi character in here? There's even, I think there's two or three in the soundtrack. There's two or three live versions of Kiss songs. There's yes. way too much Kiss uh, representation in this game. I don't know, to answer your question, how much money Kiss paid to be in this or how much Activision paid Kiss to be in it. I'm scared to know who paid who for this uh, for this <laughs> yeah. relationship to happen. <laughs> both, both aren't great. Both... both. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it was weird to have yeah Gene Simmons, of course, unlockable character. I'm not sure if you knew that, Harrison, um, or if you were always trying to unlock Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I'm part of Kiss Army number uh, <laughs> member number three eight two six five four. The uh, I, I knew all about all about this. The question is, you, can you get either Gene or Paul on the show? That's the thing, and ask them. Probably not. I mean, it is their uh, their final tour and everything. And what was it? Did didn't Paul just tell Ace Frehley to go f- himself? So <laughs> yeah, some, something like that. Ace is like, I'm gonna blackmail you, and then Paul's like, screw you, and then Ace is like, okay. Is all this? I hope all this is happening while they're on stage. <laughs> yeah, we're also hoping that too. But yeah, there are a lot of Kiss songs in this and the live ones. I noticed that right away, Neil. Of course, I didn't notice that as a kid, but playing Underground this week, I noticed that Detroit Rock City was, or not Detroit Rock City, it was um, Rock and Roll, rock and roll Night, night yeah. and party, part of the Day. And uh, <laughs> and I noticed right away that uh, that, that was a live version because I was like, this doesn't sound like the song I know. So that was kind of interesting that it was all live ones. God of Thunder and Lick It Up are the other ones. But uh, speaking of soundtrack, Harrison, are there any other non-Kiss-related songs on the soundtrack that really stand out to you and you associate with Thug? There are a lot of good songs. Like mm-hmm. the punk songs are really good. I think around the time when I was playing Thug, obviously skateboarding, so you're listening to a lot of like punk music and like especially like skate punk. So obviously like No Effects, Separation of Church and Skate was a big one for me. Um, Hot Water Music's Remedy was another one. Strike Anywhere Refusal. But like there was some like The Clash are on here, Refused is on here, Bad Religion's on here. Even like um, 
some of the hip hop songs too. Like they were like Nas was on here, Deltron Thirty Thirty, and then who else was on here? Oh yeah, Queens of the Stone Age was on here as well too. My favorite. Chains Addiction was on here. Like there was like it was a solid soundtrack. But that's the thing, Tony Hawk always had good soundtracks. Doesn't matter if it was you know Pro Skater One, Two, it's a Thug, it's a whatever. They always had some good songs. Yeah, I mean even the American Wasteland saw that was wasn't that like old punk songs covered by new artists, Neil? I think that yeah, that one was a weird one. I think it was once you started to get into the later mid-generation 360 Wii PS3 games those are the ones where like it was still it was playing modern punk and rock bands but they didn't make sense in skateboarding like I think Green Day like Holiday is on one of the modern Tony Hawk games so they don't always slap the soundtracks uh they definitely went away from the old 90s uh skate punk and the uh the good hip-hop so I don't know as much about the late 2000s Tony Hawk games I need to play those ones to, to find out what everyone's talking about are they as bad as we think they are probably uh so I think I need to uh, I need to experience the pain of uh the the slow uh dissension of the franchise and then uh, watch it rise back up again as it did in uh, in 2020 but no this soundtrack is just as good as the uh the original four Tony Hawk games on PlayStation and Nintendo consoles and even Thug 2 uh, not bad not bad stuff not bad stuff. Yeah, no, a uh, solid soundtrack. It's definitely one of my favorites. It's something I always associate a lot of these songs with is is, uh, is skating around in New Jersey in the back alleys there and <laughs> and ha- uh, always having so much fun playing this game. And we've had a lot of fun having you on today, Harrison. It's been an uh, absolute pleasure for you to get to come on and talk a little bit about Tony Hawk. And is there anything else you'd like to say about Mr. Hawk or this franchise before we let you go? Um, if Tony ever listens, I'd just love to meet Tony. He is uh, such a such a genuine, genuinely good guy. Also, anytime I watched MTV Cribs and Tony Hawk's episode was on, uh, <laughs> my mom would always be like, Tony has such a nice house. I'm like, yeah, he does. Um, but <laughs> yes, I really, he does. he does. I don't know. I'm like a kid. How can I tell you what a nice house is? <laughs> also, I really did enjoy playing. I don't play as much video games these days as I really only ride the nostalgia train but you two know what that's like but i did play the tony hawk pro skater one and two and i loved it so i wouldn't mind a you know a thug one and two kind of remaster is that possible i I guess i'm asking tony that as well too and pump up the soundtrack a little bit more the new the soundtrack on the new one tony hawk pro skater one and two is sick all the new songs they throw in Mm -hmm. but uh there's some bad ones but you know i'm not gonna fault them too much for that but but yeah i'd love a new uh new thug or a remastered Thug. Give it to us. Give us Thug 1, 2 remake. Or, well, I know Neil wants Thug 3, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or if Tony isn't listening, Bob Burnquest, can you make a game? And then uh, <laughs> not have it be, like, as good as Thug, but, like, you know, it can hold its own for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Maybe, like, Bob Burnquest's Underground? The Bug? The Bug? <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it but i'll take it i'll take whatever we can get that would be good we'll talk to bob burn we'll talk to anthony or robert whoever uh you know whoever we can get and uh we'll sit them down we'll bring your mom around since, since apparently she's a fan of mm-hmm. uh of uh, anthony hawk and uh robert burnquest and uh see what we can do uh see what we can do in terms of bringing back uh thug remaster or tony hawk underground 3 but until then, Harrison, we will keep you up to date on all of the latest Thug news. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a ton of fun reminiscing about Thug from back in the day. And uh, we hope to have you back on real soon so that you can become the number one guest on the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast like you were on the GameCube Was Cool podcast. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It is my goal to be 
the most frequent guest on this podcast as well too i put on linkedin that i was the most uh, frequent guest on the other <laughs> podcast and i've gotten so many views on my profile so yeah, you're getting job interviews or you're getting job requests uh, left and right right headhunted i'm getting no headhunted yeah yep. by no other so hopefully i get headhunted <laughs> by uh maybe ooh, maybe i can get headhunted by like birdhouse or element or ooh. vans or something like that well, you, we 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 drop Circa in DC here as uh, as potential sponsors. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll hopefully you'll hopefully be hearing from them very soon. Awesome. Thanks again, boys. Take care, buddy. <gasps> See you later. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Harrison, most frequent guest of the GameCube. Uh, po- was cool podcast. Of course, uh, hopefully he will be the uh, most frequent guest here. We'll have a little battle, a little battle royale between him, Tony Hawk, I'm sure, who will come on many times on yep. this podcast to talk about it, and Eric Sparrow. Maybe we can get the voice actor for Eric Sparrow <laughs> to come on here and, and just detail the horrors that he had to go through uh, while <laughs> while recording the voice. But yeah, no, I love having Stefan and Harrison on to talk about all their memories growing up with this game. Uh, it was cool having Harrison's perspective too, playing uh, Pro Skater 1 and 2 a lot beforehand and really getting into that and then playing this game and uh, and still loving it and still loving it today and loving the franchise today. So uh, thank you very much, gents, for for uh, exploring your past, talking about 2003 a little bit with us and and yeah, just enjoying some Tony Hawk. Yeah, it's been, it was great to have both of our friends come on today to talk about the game and also that they both jumped back into it to play it this week to prepare for the show and they, did, they didn't come across what a lot of folks do when they go back to old games, which is they discover that these old games don't hold up or they're not fun or they're... I mean, this game is still problematic. That never changed. But like, you know, you, you go, you know, the, maybe the graphics don't age super well or, or whatever it might be. The controls don't make sense in a modern lens. But you go back to, to Thug and, and none of that is true, except perhaps maybe the graphics and some of the cutscenes could be a bit more polished in the GameCube version. Some of the character models don't look as good as they used to. Some of the characters look more like fingers now than, uh, than people. <laughs> um, but they all still praise the game for its gameplay, for its story, for the ability to get off your board. Um, for playing multiplayer, if any of them did that, and they all played it on GameCube too, which is which is cool to see that you know we have friends that played this game on our favorite console. Since a lot of the times when you meet new people, you know they they all say that they played Tony Hawk games on on PS2, PS2 but yeah. I really don't think that there's a wrong way to play Thug. I would like to experience the Game Boy Advance version at some point to see what that one's all about. <laughs> that might about. be the I've, wrong way. <laughs> maybe that might be the wrong way, of course. But uh, there is another way, Mike, to experience Tony Hawk Underground in 2023. And that is Thug Pro, which is a total conversion mod of Tony Hawk Underground 2. It uses uh, the gameplay as the basis for uh, the collection of levels from every original Neversoft game in the series for single player and online multiplayer gameplay. Uh, have you seen gameplay from this uh, this this Thug Pro? It looks sick. It's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. Like the, it's really really crazy to to think that so much time and effort has gone into kind of remaking, creating this this collection of uh, of Tony Hawk games and Tony Hawk levels all together. It it looks so amazing. It looks like it plays really really well. I actually uh, my 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 girlfriend has a friend who or a colleague that she used to work with who was a developer, a mod on, oh. on Tony Hawk's Underground Pro, on Thug Pro. And I remember when wow. I first met her, we were talking about Tony Hawk for some reason, as as you do, you know. Mm-hmm. And and she brought up, she's like, yeah, like one of my colleagues like works on Tony Hawk. I was like, well, like, they're not really making the games anymore. Like, so what do you, what do you mean? Like, he doesn't, doesn't work on them. She's like, no, 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 he like works, uh, he like works on like this fan made thing. I was like, what? And so I looked it up 
And uh, I was like, oh, wow, this is really, really cool. This is amazing. And I got pretty into it. It was really neat to see. And one of the coolest parts about Tony Hawk, one of the coolest parts about Thug Pro is the fact that they incorporate all the glitches that, mm-hmm. that come from all the different games. That is amazing to me. This is what we talked about way back when we talked about Melee, Super Smash Bros. Melee for the first time and how we were like, well, we're not sure if Nintendo could ever really do this properly because... One of the best parts, if not the best part, about Melee is all the glitches that these pro players exploit. And uh, these fans did an amazing job with Thug Pro to bring these glitches in here so that these pros could go and, and exploit these glitches to to insane to get these insane numbers and insane combos. And it's so much fun to watch. I encourage anyone to just go out and and and, and look up some Thug Pro video. Check out the Thug Pro Hub. Uh, on YouTube, that's their their main YouTube channel where you can find all kinds of stuff. It's got a huge community, absolutely massive membership on Discord, on Reddit. Uh, Thug Pro is is honestly probably one of the biggest communities we've ever talked about here. Yeah, I love watching those videos. I think it, it's kind of hard to tell what they're using if they're playing on PS2 or Thug Pro. It, it's sometimes you can tell just based on the graphics. Like the game does look quite a bit better than the PS2 and the GameCube version. Yeah. Uh, all of the textures are a bit more higher res, the colors are a bit sharper, and the frame rate, I think, is also a bit improved. But, like, you see people uh, breaking million, I think even a billion point yeah. uh, trick combos, which is like, I, I mean, when I play this game, I'm lucky if I can hit 10,000. Um, so it's really cool to see, like, infinite uh, grinding and then board slides and then mixing it into kickflips and other tricks off of other rails and everything. It's insane what people have done, and they've they've cut this game open so much that they know the exact root of every level and what the best path to take is to maximize your routines and everything. So it's a really cool community out there, and it focuses mostly on multiplayer, which we've talked a lot about these games now. And for the most part, we played them single player back in the day, except for, you know, occasionally you'd have a cousin come over, like Harrison said, and they might play uh, Tag, or they might play Horse, or they might play uh, King of the Hill. Uh, where they're spray painting, basically, kind of like Splatoon back yeah. in the day, that mode. That was really fun. Yeah. But most people logged the majority of their hours on Tony Hawk, uh, the original games, on single player. So it's great to see this active multiplayer community that takes other people's opinions and other people's input to make these incredible videos, these really cool fan-made uh, parks and uh, create a theme mode. You can even add custom soundtracks to the game now, too. Yeah. So you can incorporate the missing Bad Religion songs from the old games if you wanted to. <laughs> Um, I think it's great. I, I love the idea of putting in custom soundtracks. That's something that I would have loved in uh, in these old games. Obviously, the GameCube had the limitation that we couldn't add songs into it, but I think you can do it in the new games. I know the newer sports games, you, you can start to do that type of stuff, but I would love the ability to make my own custom uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. I think I would be really good at that. <laughs> Me too. I would, I would love that. And, and I think it says a lot about this game in the sense that these 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 fans these developers uh took thug took tony hawk's underground as the starting point for thug pro you know and and not taking a pro skater not going that route and just considering thug to be really the pinnacle i think and really just like you 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 said it perfectly neil with that venn diagram you know right it's right in the middle there between the getting a little too uh, weird and, and, and going veering off course kind of later Tony Hawk games and then the classics, the originals that made the series great. Tony Hawk's Underground smack dab in the middle there. I'm glad it serves as the basis for, for Thug Pro. I mean, this seems to be the, the, the narrative that we had to say so much on the GameCube podcast where we talked about how 
the this 2003-2004 era of the GameCube of other consoles was the peak for for sports games and any kind of games like that that blended the arcadiness with the realism and and we th- we talked about it for NHL we talked about it for MLB NFL all these games in that in that era between you know around 2003-2005 that seems to be really the peak where developers honed their craft and figured out how to make these arcadey games just enough just realistic enough uh, for you to still have fun on them but not too realistic where you're just uh, not being able to land any tricks or stuff like that exactly like the first six games in this series are classics i i think you can jump into any of them and have a good time today which brings us to our, our next segment of the episode where we always like to t- bring up the, our one of our favorite books of all time which is a thousand and one video games you must play before you die so mike i'd have to assume I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a smart man, but I do play a lot of video games. So I'd have to assume that there must be at least, at least one or two, maybe, but dare I say, three Tony Hawk games and a thousand and one video games to play before you die. Is Thug one of those games? Neil, Thug is not one of those games. Uh, unfortunately, this is insane to me. But uh, Pro what? Skater Two is in there, and Tony Hawk's Project Eight is in there. Like, what? I don't know what these editors were thinking uh, my my entire vetting process is out the window now so once again <laughs> we do have to turn to victor chat 1.0 who is our our, our resident chat bot here who's going to write us a review uh in the style of a thousand one video games you must play b- before you die and uh okay. maybe that'll do give us some justice here Let, let's hear it okay sounds good mike read us a bit of what victor Chatbot has to say about thug Thug is a classic skateboarding video game that was released in 2003, and as a player, you take up the role of an upcoming skater who must work their way up the ranks to become a professional. The game features an engaging story mode that takes you through a variety of levels and challenges, as well as classic modes that let you skate around freely and explore the game's open world. One of the standout features of Thug is its customization options. You can create your own skater from scratch with a wide range of options for appearance and gear. As you progress through the game, you can also earn new gear and upgrade your existing equipment, giving you a real sense of progression and achievement. One of the best parts about Thug, however, is its sense of humor and personality. The game features a cast of colorful characters, each with their own quirks and personality traits. The dialogue is often witty and irreverent, making the game a joy to play from start to finish. Overall, Tony Hawk's Underground is a classic skateboarding game that still holds up well today. With its engaging story mode, satisfying gameplay, and colorful cast of characters, it's a must-play for fans of the genre. Beautiful. Good job, Victor Chatbot AI. That's that's terrific. <laughs> I'm, I I do think we need to uh, write into the 1001 video games you must play before you die authors and uh, let them know that they are clearly missing uh, Thug and maybe one of the other Pro Skater games. Project 8, that's interesting that that game is in there. I think that might have to be one that we check out now to see if it really does uh, hold up as one of the best two Tony Hawk games of all time. We'll have to see. We'll have to see, Neil. But um, yeah, unfortunately, Thug is not in there, and I will be writing them this review that uh, that <laughs> this chatbot review, and we'll see what they say back. Sounds good. Well, you're well, you're uh, sounds good. Well, you're writing into them. I'm gonna read one more memory here that we have from one of our Patreon followers. Remember, listeners, if you want to support the show on Patreon.com forward slash Unlocking What Was Cool, supporters, I will be posting a uh, weekly thread or every two weeks of the upcoming episodes that we have to get some memories from you guys. Interesting stories, fun facts about the games, movies, albums that we are talking about on the show so that you can write in and share some of your memories with us and be part of the conversation, even though you're not calling in. And today we have a write-in from Dean Donian, and Dean Donian wants to say, Thug 1 was a huge game for me back in the day. 
Even though the driving mechanics have aged like milk, I thought driving was such a cool feature to include. As a kid, my favorite band was Kiss, and the fact that you could unlock a secret concert from them blew my preteen mind. The process of going pro was so fun, and if I remember correctly, you could pick what company you wanted to go with, and each of them had demo tapes you could watch before you choose. Also, we'll always hate Eric Sparrow. Of yeah, course, love of that. Course. Uh, we mm-hmm. we got to keep the hate for Eric Sparrow here, but yeah, that's a good point with the demo <laughs> tapes. I actually forgot about that. That is something that you do. There there is that very much be a pro aspect that basically all sports games have nowadays. But I feel like Doug might have been one of the first ones to ever really do that and kind of create this story mode around the be a pro. Yeah, and they even show you like all basically commercials for yeah. five or six different skate companies like Birdhouse, Element, DC, a whole bunch. And then after you watch those commercials, you get to pick the company that you go with. Do you remember which company you went with, Mike, before we uh, close out the episode? I honestly don't. <laughs> which one did you go with, Neil? <laughs> I think I went with Element just to be yeah. with Bam Margera. Bam Margera, rather. Yeah, I think I might have done that too because as a kid I was like, Bam's cool. But then as an adult, I'm like, no, I'd rather yeah, not. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think it makes a huge difference. It's mostly just the merch that you get. Uh, either way, you get to hang out with all the pro skaters at one point or another. But uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. So, Mike, I think that it's time that we hit the back of the case of Thug, and then we'll move on to our closing thoughts. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading The Back of the Case. You own the underground. This time, it's your journey. Break the rules, beat the odds, become a star. Tear it up in cars or other rides. Thug stars you as a skate punk out to make it big. Go from local unknown superstar skater. Do whatever it takes, run, climb, and of course, skate to make it to the top. Design your own tricks, decks, goals, and levels. It's your game. Kind of cool that they actually did abbreviate Thug on the back here. Uh, mm-hmm. That was interesting, and it has a TM beside it. I, I didn't actually know that they abbreviated it so early. You know, it just comes out, and people aren't even calling it that yet. But that's 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 clever marketing. Good job. Uh, good job, Activision, in that sense. And, Neil, I, of course, have this case, and so do you. Uh, I have the manual in here, and you might have the manual as well. I'm not sure. Uh, I do. Oh, very good. And if you look at the back of the manual, it has a MTX Mototrax advertisement saying that uh, this game is, is dropping in 2004 featuring Travis Pastrana. And Neil, I looked it up. This game did not drop. <laughs> because I, it says it says for GameCube, of course. This is our GameCube copy. And I was looking yeah. and I was like, it's got the GameCube logo. It says it's coming for GameCube. And I, I I had to quickly look it up because I don't remember us ever covering it. Of course, we did cover all 555 games, North American games for the GameCube. And reading its uh, little Wikipedia article just says that it was uh, uh, an additional release was planned for the GameCube in 2004. And it was later, later canceled as well as the release for the Top Wave Zodiac. No. Oh, no. Too bad. They bet on the wrong horse there. That's interesting. I never even noticed that before. I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever taken the manual out of this game, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. The game's menus are so good. They have most of the uh, tricks and tips that you need right there. That's really interesting. Would love to know if, like, any sort of anything leaked from that game, if you can play it somewhere or whatever. Probably not. We don't need any more motocross games out there than we already have. Good find, though. That's a really neat thing uh, inside of the case there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, lots, lots inside the box, for sure. But, Mike, where do you see the future of Tony Hawk Pro Skater going forward? What do you want to see next? Uh... Would you like to see a Thug 3, Thug 1 and 2 remaster? What are your thoughts on the series moving forward? 
Yeah, I know. It's funny listening to our, our last episode and, and hearing what we what we wanted to happen. And uh, I, it's it's hard to say because what I want to see and what might happen are very two two very different things. I think I I think we need a Thug Pro. We like a, a, a officially licensed Thug Pro or something like that. Like the fact that that hasn't happened already is really sad, honestly. And the fact that these these amazing developers and and community members over there at the, in the Thug Pro community have created this. Uh, this uh, such a cool space that has every trick imaginable, every every uh, every park that you could ever have, ever want to have, like all the skaters, everything in that Thug Pro game is amazing. Like uh, it's just one of those things. Like Nintendo's famous for not utilizing their communities properly, but uh, this is one where Activision really just has dropped the ball for like ten years now uh on this this is these guys have made a better game than you could ever make like what are you doing uh like you got to support this in some way and it's really sad that they haven't and and the fact that this is i'd argue that this is probably the biggest community that we've talked about that's not the melee community neil um in terms of just members and in terms of just the the stuff that they've made like it's uh it's kind of sad to to see it not not language because it's it's thriving obviously but but language in the sense of uh, from a business perspective of Activision really not taking any kind of ownership or not really supporting them or not uh, wanting to put out more games like we did recently get that news recent in quotes I think about a year ago or so maybe more than that where Tony Hawk said uh, that they there were plans for Pro Skater three and four for remakes but that uh, kind of fell off the table or it never came to fruition. I, I think we will eventually see them in some light. Like we have to. There's no way these that these games don't get put out in some way. They they were huge sellers back in the day. Uh, one and two sold extremely well on on all the different consoles when they came out uh, in uh, three years ago. So like the business case is there, the critical case is there. Uh, it's I think honestly I think the biggest holdback from them is maybe the merger that ha- or the 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 acquisition. That happened when Microsoft bought Activision, Blizzard, and um, King. Uh, so that's and and also Activision just not being in the best name, not being the best name brand right now too. Uh, so it it's it's curious what what'll happen in the future. I think we definitely will see it because, like you said earlier on the episode too, skating skateboarding is huge. Skateboarding is arguably bigger than it was in the '90s and 2000s. Like in terms of the just amount of people that are that are skating now and the diversity of it and everything just like the fact that really anyone can skateboard and uh and i think it's only going to grow uh especially internationally so like uh, there's a huge opportunity here bring back uh three and four as a remake leverage what you already have with thug pro in that community and create a game based off that that's all I asked, Neil. <laughs> yeah, it was really sad when we did the GameCube was cool to see Activision basically go from really cool developer, really cool publisher. They made they made chances on games. They tried different things. And now we know them basically, I mean, their ethics aside, we know them basically as a FIFA slash Call of Duty. Or no, sorry, FIFA's EA. Uh, we know them basically as just the Call of Duty studio. And that's just about it uh the acquisition by microsoft neither here nor there i know that they're gonna keep making call of duty games for different consoles um but it is sad to see this franchise just kind of sit in purgatory uh a lot of video game uh franchises are in that boat so this is just another one of those games like that um i'm like you i would love to see uh a three and four remaster come out too Uh, tony hawk did say that you know he doesn't see it happening or at least the plans have been 
put on ice, which is a shame because those are terrific games, and I'm, I'm still holding out hope that we get them. Uh, the Thug Pro community, great to see them doing amazing things. It's it's nice to see when fans of games get a chance to work on these things without being shut down instantly, like what Nintendo likes to do. So this, this massive collection of all the Tony Hawk characters, levels, and games all in one on PC, uh, you know, all the tricks being put together, graphics being up-resed, uh, can be run on modern hardware and everything. It's awesome. Uh, but what I would really like to see, uh, other than like a pro or like a collection, I really think Thug 3 or some spiritual successor yeah. to, to, to Tony Hawk Underground uh, would be really cool. I don't know if, I guess you have to keep the Tony Hawk name in there. Uh, it's, it's too bad that we haven't had another skater come up that's as <laughs> big or bigger than him because his name is just synonymous with skateboarding. It's like Madden. Uh, or FIFA with soccer, like the name is basically synonymous with the sport. So there is going to come a time, and and that time is is coming in the several decades where he's not going to be skating anymore, and and kids growing up aren't going to be able to watch him on TV doing tricks. And that's even the case now. Like he's a huge spokesperson for skateboarding, but he's not competing anymore. He's he's in his fifties now. My point is that I would love to see a Thug spiritual successor, basically Thug Three, because. The world of skating, like you said, is so different and so vast than it was 20 years ago. Like Stefan was saying, there's there's kids on TikTok now posting skateboard tricks and Instagram uh, skaters who have millions of followers that do tricks around the world. And we, we see skateboarding on the world stage with the Olympics and parents that grew up in the 80s and 90s and even 2000s now are getting their kids involved in skating at a very young age, which was not a thing when we were kids. Like little no. kids did not skateboard when we were little kids. It was no. very much a teenage or young adult thing to do. Uh, and people older than the average age of skating back in the day is now different. You now see people skating into their 40s and 50s, yeah. like Tony Hawk. <laughs> All of it is so different. And when you play Thug, it's great to see. It's a nice snapshot of the 2000s, seeing them calling each other on flip phones and, and not being able to look things up on smartphones and, and filming everything on tape. It's cool. It's neat. But it would be so cool to see a Thug game that utilizes new technology, social media, and even includes... Uh, celebrities from nowadays who skate like the thug games are filled with pro skaters but nowadays you look and you see celebrities that skate it's not necessarily just for the pros so it'd be really cool to see a video game that incorporates uh, obviously the weird characters like thud and gene simmons and spider-man and iron man but i looked up this week just like a short list of uh, celebrities who skate and it'd be really cool to like incorporate into the game like lil wayne jonah hill justin bieber travis barker yeah. you, you can put those those celebrities in there and and have a ton of fun with it like all those randoms together so 20 years have gone by since uh since the thug series basically came to a close so you could definitely come back with it and and make an awesome funny fun game and have an awesome online experience play with friends have multiplayer modes have uh track builders like just being able to create a course and putting it online for everybody to play alone would be an awesome feature to have yeah. but uh Mike, while I'm sitting here waiting for the Ultimate Thug 3 to come out on uh, every console, including the Nintendo Switch, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on Episode 9 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? On Episode 9, Neil, we are still talking about 2003 in a way. We are talking about uh, some early internet experiences, which is a Patreon topic. Our second Patreon topic that we're going to be talking about that uh, was elected by the good folks over at Patreon uh, to tell us what to talk about at the end of the month. So it is going to be about our early internet experiences and, and just the kind of 
the internet in general when we were growing up. There's a lot to talk about for how we experience the internet and I'm sure how most of our listeners uh, also have experienced it or maybe listeners who never experienced uh, having to go on AOL before. So uh, we're going to be excited to talk about some of that. Yeah, it's, it's so weird to go back to the early internet experience memories. So I'm very excited for this topic. Like it's hard to put yourself in the headspace back then of not having like a standard rotation of websites to go to like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Instagram. Uh, you'd go on the computer and kind of not know what to do. So it's a really neat topic. <laughs> I've, I've very much enjoyed so far the Patreon elected episodes. Uh, thank you so much to all the supporters over there who are contributing topics and voting. It's a ton of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving these topics and some topics in the elections that aren't winning. Uh, I'm, I'm really keeping them in my memory too, to be like, all right, we're going to cover this one later because some of them are awesome. And I'm sad that we can't talk about all of these topics every month. So they will resurface again in the future. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode eight of the unlocking what was cool podcast new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services, leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in, in the new Q and a feature. We love reading your comments on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking. What was cool supporters at the $5 level, get the option to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. You can follow us on Instagram and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Eric Sparrow, Neil says he sucks. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later, Eric Sparrow. Bye-bye, Eric Sparrow. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada, and hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Bendito, AJ Olson 11, Pedro Marquez, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Jude, and Way Overrated. Is Tony Hawk Underground in a thousand one video games you must play before you die? Oh, good point. Yeah, let's double check that before we. Tony Hawk's Project 8 is in this? Are you fucking serious? Nope, that's incorrect. <laughs> what the f is wrong with you? That's wrong. That's they so must have other stupid. Th they must have other Tony Hawk games in there, though. Just two. Just Pro Skater 2. Yeah, that's, that's uh, objectively wrong. This book wrong. is now objectively wrong.